York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Trifecta, the Trinity, the Troika, all within 24 hours of having broadcast three separate times just on Sunday alone, 12 midnight to 6 to start the day. And so nice, they had me back twice from 3 to 5. And then I finish up on Sunday nights, starting from 9 to 11, where I give you the news of the day, the commentary, and obviously this is call driven, and then finish up. With the most requested, the most phoned into of all the segments that I do all during the week. And that includes the lunch hour edition of the Curtis Lee Show here at WABC. In which I follow Bill O'Reilly who gives you a 15 minute update 12 noon to 12.15. And then I give you the rip and read and commentary from 12.15 to uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. No phone calls. But these are the times on the weekend when it's always broadcasting, Curtis, that it is call-driven. I rarely, if ever, have guests. Although earlier today in the 4.30 hour, I had Vinny Madugno on right before his own great show. He's now been expanded to a second day, Sundays, 5 to 6, right before Joe Piscopo and the Frank Sinatra extravaganza brought to you by Ramsey Mazda. And I had him on because... He's a teacher by day at Port Richmond High School. And his student was that young lady, 20-year-old, who was executed in the streets of New York City. Remember, it was 8 o'clock on the Upper East Side. She was at 95th in Lexington, right outside of Seabury Park, the very place that I had brought my son Anthony when he was growing up. To learn to play basketball, we lived just a block away. Totally unexpected that you would have that kind of violent crime in the Upper East Side, but it happened. And it turned out that Vinny Madugno's phone blew up because people seeing the news reports said, Hey, Vinny, that was your student. She was the student that you had at Port Richmond High School before she graduated. In media relations, she was part of the ROTC. I might well have given her a certificate. I was the keynote speaker there for a ROTC, junior ROTC graduation. And apparently she was a track star. He was able to bring all of that to light. Here it is, we thought, oh, this young lady with a three-month-year-old child cut down while strolling her child to a meeting with the baby mommy daddy who ended up killing her. And he was able to connect all the dots and flesh out a real personality. 
the likes of which we don't normally get, because when it bleeds, it leads here, especially now in Fear City, New York City. We went through eight years of Eric Adams, and we descended into the abyss, and things haven't gotten any better with the swagger man who has no plan about dealing with crime. That's Eric Adams. But let's put New York City aside, because New York City gets an inordinate amount of attention, more than it should in this tri-state area. Everything gets attention, because it's New York City-centric. But I have specifically said that... um, We need to be paying more attention, New Jersey. I've been in uh, talk radio for 33 years. Broke in here at WABC in 1991 with Angels in the Morning when um, the guy who was the um, king of talk radio, Bob Grant, had the biggest audience of all afternoons three to seven. Most of it was from New Jersey. He would do live remotes in New Jersey uh, right at the uh, diner in Woodbridge. Huge following, and people have continued to listen to WABC to all of our ups and downs from Camden County in the south near the Delaware River right on up to the most corrupt of all Democratic counties in America, Hudson County, and Mid-Jersey, Bergen County, down to uh, the Jersey Shore. Great fans, great listeners. And I know that many of them uh, had to be somewhat stymied and shocked when a poll came out that said New Jersey is the least patriotic of the 50 states in America. The least patriotic. This coming on the heels, the Fox News uh, channel indicating that 39% of Americans are proud of the country today. This is an all-time low. We've never been this low. Normally it's sort of like 50-50, meze meze, poco poco. We're at 39% for a number of reasons. But Jersey? I'm I'm appealing to all of you out there in Jersey. I think I know the reasons. I'm going to share them with you. But are you the least patriotic? This was based on the fact that you were number 50 when it came to overall patriotism, judged on a lot of levels. And number 49, in terms of veterans who actually uh, have served and lived in New Jersey per capita per person. And you were rated number 43 in terms of civic engagement. And, uh, you know, I I can pretty much go along with that. I remember going to a meeting in Trenton. Kids were getting attacked on the way to school. I schlepped all the way down there. I took the Amtrak, showed up. The Board of Education was having a meeting. They advertised Curtis Lee and the Guardian Angels. They're going to uh, look to set up safe corridors for your kids. Nobody showed up to the meeting. And then I told them, schmucks, putzes, didn't you lay out a spread here? No cold cuts, no food, no food, no one's coming to the meeting. What are you talking about? Hey, look, I've been doing this for years, right? We're in the hood. We're in the inner city. You don't lay the spread out of any food there whatsoever. That may be the only meal they're going to get tonight. Trust me, if you had a little spread there, Oscar Mayer, right, a little poor said, you know, uh, give them an air sandwich or two. They'll be here. Nobody showed up. Nobody. And this was for their kids. And let's face it, it's not all that different in a lot of inner-city neighborhoods when you have parent-teacher conference night. And the poor kids have to be told that nobody showed up for them. Not a mother, not a father, not an aunt, not an uncle, not a grandparent, not an older brother, not a sister. Nobody. 
Oh, man. So I understand why New Jersey is rated the least patriotic in the country. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. This is interaction and participatory. That's right. This is the show that says that you are the stirrer that stirs the drink because it's your turn to be heard. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. Special emphasis on New Jersey. You have now been maligned. To all Americans who now rate you the least patriotic state in the nation. Who's number one? Sarah Palin land, Alaska. But Jersey, overall number 50. Hey, look, New York uh, hasn't done that much better. Pennsylvania's about 35. I don't know where they rate Connecticut. But Jersey, it's like, that stands out. You're down there with Bertha Basement. I can't believe this. How the hell did you become number 50? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Well, let's listen to this song. This was thought to be a very patriotic song by Mr. New Jersey, Bruce Springsteen. I call him Farmer Bruce. I don't like the guy. Never did. Not when he was from Freehold on the other side of the tracks or when he became a one percenter in Rumson. Never quite liked him, right? Not like Shamu El Jefe, Chris Christie. It was like a sickle fan, Tony Lackey. A just constant, oh, I got to hear Bruce, even though Bruce dissed him and dismissed him. But this song that was written in the mid-'80s, all of a sudden, it sort of exploded. Exploded globally when we had the Summer Olympic Games, remember, in Los Angeles. It was Ronald Reagan who was president, and he had heard this song. That's Naturally, he didn't know who Springsteen was. Really liked the song, the melody, the beat. Never listened to the words, because, hey, let's face it, Ronald Reagan didn't listen to a lot of words. Come on. And neither did a lot of his staff. If they would have listened to the words, they would have realized this was an anti-war song. Anti-war song against our involvement in Vietnam. Hey, I was for that. But Ronald Reagan culturally appropriated this song, and I'll never forget, at the Los Angeles Olympic Games, which the Russians were boycotting, because it was a quid pro quo, you scratch our back, we'll scratch your back. Because, remember, it was Jimmy Carter who had kept the United States athletes from participating in the Olympic Games in Moscow when Brezhnev had rolled the T2 tanks tanks into Afghanistan, and then there was the grain embargo and all that Michigan. So this was the Russians' retaliation. And let me tell you something. Who seized upon that? Ronald Reagan said, there is a young man in Freehold, New Jersey, filled with patriotic pride. Bruce Springsteen, listen to this song. And I'm like, hey, Reagan, put your hearing aids in, okay? It's a nice beat. Sounds patriotic. It's not patriotic. And notice Bruce didn't say anything because this was the song that catapulted him to superstardom. So he he didn't do an intervention and say, hey, Mr. Press, uh, it's not what you think it is. No, no, no. Hey, but the president endorsed it saying it was like, should replace the national anthem, God bless America, America the beautiful, uh, I'm embellishing there. Bruce stayed quiet, man, because it was selling mad albums, mad albums. Number one song in the nation, I think that was the summer of 88, first trivia prize though is going to go, which great athlete was birthed in New Jersey in that summer Olympic Games who won multiple gold medals, He was sprinting, he was uh, broad jumping, 
He was high jumping. He was like doing everything. He wasn't a decathlete, a decathlon athlete like Bruce Jenner had been. By the way, Bruce Jenner, my, it's no longer Bruce Jenner. World's greatest athlete. I remember on the Wheaties box, Montreal Olympic Games. And now it's no longer Bruce. I forget what her first name is. I met her. Met her when I announced I was running for mayor. She couldn't be more supportive of me. Caitlin, Caitlin, Kay, Caitlin grabbed me, hugged me. I like, whoa. Back off a little bit, Caitlin. Oh, uh, I'm supporting you for mayor. You're going to support me for governor of California? I said, why not? You know, you're supporting me. I'll support you. Oh, did I catch grief for that? But anyway, I digress. Ladies and gentlemen, notice how dormant, how docile you are in New Jersey. You have been labeled the least patriotic state in the nation going into our nation's birthday in just a few hours, the 4th of July. And you act like, oh, no big deal. No big deal. I guess we are. Well, I'm going to try to get down to the root at it this hour. I'm going to do the deep dive, the deep dig, because I know whenever I travel New Jersey, every second house has a plaque on it claiming that George Washington slept in that house. That's impossible. Oh, no matter where you go, Union County, Bergen County, Middlesex, Houses have plaques on it. George Washington slept in this house. How could that possibly be? So you're exploiting patriotism. There's no doubt about that. Our American Revolution against the Brits. Although, let me point out that you had the royal governor there who was Ben Franklin's son. This was an act of treachery. And the king said to the son of Benjamin Franklin, who was there in Philadelphia, with the rebels, he said, my word to you is you are to hunt your father down, find him, and hang him from the nearest pole. And what do you think the son of Benjamin Franklin said, the royal governor of New Jersey in Trenton? He said, yeah, king, I'm going to find my father, and I'm going to hang him from the highest pole. Well, guess what? Never got Benjamin Franklin, and then when all of a sudden his son was in prison for being a traitor to the colonialists, Benjamin Franklin never used his influence to get his son out of jail. He said, you are a traitor. You deserve to rot in jail. Yeah, bravo, bravo. Hey, the governor of New Jersey was a royalist, was a butt kisser to the king of England, who wanted to hang his own father. Don't tell me you've lost your patriotic pride. You don't even remember that history. I'll bet you they don't even teach you in your colleges, your universities, your public high schools, your Catholic high schools, your charter schools, your private schools, that very fact. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Look at this. One person, Gary, from Union Beach, New Jersey. The rest of the folks in New Jersey, let's drink beer. This is the uh, weekend where the most beer is ever drunk in America, right? I would have thought the Super Bowl weekend. No, it's the July 4th weekend, and I guess most of the brewskis are being drunk in New Jersey. Where's your patriotic pride? Buttons and bridges, right? You should be calling up saying that's an outrage. Yeah, maybe, maybe the state is, but my town isn't. I remember I was at a support the rally of the troops before they were... Unfortunately, sent off to Iraq by Cheney and Bush 43, looking for weapons of mass destruction. When all of a sudden, if you remember, it was Colin Powell and George Tennant 
who said before the General Assembly of the United Nations, we must go to war to destroy Saddam Hussein and fight those weapons of mass destruction. We're still looking. By the way, another trivia question. Maybe the greatest man ever to serve in the military. Served in two services, back-to-back, belly-to-belly. Was given the Congressional Medal of Honor for his valor. Where is he from? Raritan, New Jersey. How do I know? Because they have a tribute to him everywhere in Raritan. Although I believe he was originally born in Buffalo, New York. God, being born in Buffalo, you want to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible and ended up in Raritan. This man took out so many enemy fighters that you couldn't count them on your toes and your hands. And when he had to put the machine gun down because he ran out of bullets, he had his machete and pistol. And there was only three men left against 3,000 combatants. How How many more tips can I give you about what may have well been the greatest warrior ever to serve in America who died? In one of the last battles of a particular war. I can't give you anything more than that, you know. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. All right, enough of uh, Bruce Springsteen. I think I made my point with that, although at the end of this segment I will play the greatest patriotic rendition I ever heard, and it was from somebody from New Jersey. You see... I'm going to give you the pro and the con on this. I believe that the reason that so many in New Jersey are no longer patriotic is they have been beaten down, browbeaten. You're masochists. You've been hollered. You've been shouted at. In fact, you were such stunards, you reelected Murphy, who's half in the bag as your governor, a graduate of Goldmine Sachs, right? You elected Coruscant. How stupid was that, a graduate of Goldmine Sachs? And I guess you just like pain and suffering and being masochist. Because you had Citarelli, a great candidate, Republican. He barely lost to Murphy. But what was Murphy best known for? Come on, let's be honest. Murphy would call you all knuckleheads. If any visitor refuses to comply with these simple safeguards, you will be escorted out of the casino. We are not going to tolerate any knuckleheads trying to ruin it for those who wish to enjoy themselves responsibly, those who need to get back to work, uh, especially if those knuckleheads could be spreading COVID-19. Wow, he gave you two knuckleheads there. But, hey, you loved every second of it. Then he continued to call you knuckleheads. Unfortunately, the national situation compounded by instances of knucklehead behavior here at home are requiring us to hit pause on the restart of indoor dining dining, uh, for the foreseeable future. Has he done anything patriotic over this weekend? Of course not. I'm telling you, this guy, you know, he pretends he drinks a glass of water. Ask his uh, colleagues at Goldmine Sachs when he was over in Europe for Goldmine Sachs. He was giving a speech, and then all of a sudden the vice president of operations inadvertently took his glass. He thought it was water. He drank it. Oh, my God, it's straight vodka, Phil. So you don't think I drink water, do you? 1-800-848-9222. And then he calls you knuckleheads again. These folks back there have lost their mind. You've lost your minds. You are the ultimate knuckleheads. And because of what you are saying and standing for, people are losing their life. People are losing their life. And you have to know that. Look in the mirror. 
Makes sense, right? You get called knucklehead, knucklehead, knucklehead all the time. You get beaten into the ground. You lose that fight back sense of, no, 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 I have self-esteem. You're not going to call me no knucklehead. We're going to oust you. Could have voted for Citarelli. You didn't. You must like to be abused. But then again, I'm noticing of late, this is happening in our own house here at WABC. I don't know. Maybe it's like a virus from Murphy to Sid. For the most part, they're a bunch of knuckleheads. And he said it again. They're a bunch of knuckleheads. Again. They're a bunch of knuckleheads. He never talked like that before, Sid. Is this the Murphy influence? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then we're going to end up talking about how Newark, New Jersey, has been voted the least patriotic city in the nation. And there's a very clear reason. Roz Baraka, who has always hated America, and now he's the mayor of the largest city in Newark, close to 300,000 people. Oh, I'm going to get deep into that. You cut my veins and arteries, I know all about Newark. We're going to put that aside, though. You have had the greatest warrior ever to serve in America, recognized by everyone, the United States Army, Marine Corps, all the services, the heroism projected by this, I'm going to give you another hint, Italian-American, was, there was nothing comparable. He overcame enormous odds with his machine gun, and I told you when he ran out of bullets, and the enemy was still overwhelming him. They were just coming at him over and over and over. He took out his machete and pistol and still kept killing them. There was only three of him left, meaning him and two others. They lost about a few hundred there. And he received the nation's highest honor. And he could have he could have hung it up, right? He could came back. He was celebrated. They had huge Parades in his honor all throughout New Jersey. He said, no, I'm going back. I'm going to sign up again. Put me out there in the front. This time, heroically, he led the invasion, but he died in battle. I mean, that would make New Jersey, if not the most patriotic state, one of the most patriotic states. Do they teach? Do they teach this is history in New Jersey schools? No. Uh, did they have a day of honor for this great American, Italian-American? No. If I walk around in New Jersey, and you know I'm in New Jersey all the time, I probably spend more time in New Jersey than any other host or hostess here at WABC. If I was to mention his name and I would say to you, the diner, you know, because everyone's a diner. While you're getting your corned beef and hash, you know, your turkey mash. You know this guy, uh, who's that? Really sad. It's indicative of why New Jersey has now been voted the least patriotic state in America. The reason I'm asking all of you to please, tomorrow, just a few hours, Monday, come across the Outer Bridge Crossing, the Bayonne Bridge, the Gothels Bridge, to the longest-running patriotic parade in American history, Travis Fourth of July Parade. It's good old-fashioned. It goes through the neighborhood streets. It's the only parade I've ever seen where Democrats march with Republicans. They put their differences aside 
Everybody is flying flags. They bring out the lawn chairs, the hibachi grills, and, yes, the coolers. Lots of brewski. And they'll give it to you along the way. And it goes through the side streets. It winds through the side streets. I've never seen more patriotic pride exhibited than I see each year on July 4th at Travis. You'll have, like, hundreds of thousands at Coney Island for the Dirty Water Hot Dog Eating Contest that I finished in third place in 1996. There is more patriotic pride in that gathering in Travis, same time, same place, than with the hundreds of thousands who will be in Coney Island pretending that they're patriotic. Our number is one 800 Let's go to Don calling from New York City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Don. Yes, hi, Curtis. I was wondering if the answer to that question, your trivia question, was Sergeant York. I'm going to give you a pass, Don, because you're from New York City, right? You were not born and raised in New Jersey, yeah. were you? Well, Jersey City. Oh. 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 Sorry. Oh. I went to I went oh. to a Jesuit high school. Oh. Thank you. I went to a Jesuit high school. That's You went I to St. Peter's. You went I, to St. Peter's. I finished. Oh. I finished, though. Graduated. Let me tell you something. Now that you've straightened yeah. me out and this, you're from Jersey City, find a crucifix and impale yourself with it right now, Don. I will. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Get out of here. They're a bunch of knuckleheads. Where the hell did Sid pick that up from? Does he have the Murphy virus? I hope not, because Murphy survives on vodka, not inhaling and exhaling. Our number is one 800 Sergeant York. The guy was from, I was going to give him a pass. He was from New York. Uh, from Jersey City. What, the Heights? Were you down there in uh, Grove Street? What are you, a hipster or millennial? No, he wasn't. You know, hipster millennials are from Iowa where there are more pigs and people. Idaho where there are more potatoes and people. I get it. If they came to Jersey City to colonize like they've done now, I'd have to give them a pass. Because I know they didn't teach about this guy in Iowa, Idaho, or anywhere else. But you thought he would have been taught in every school in New Jersey. America's greatest warrior. Let's go to Nancy calling from Madison, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Nancy. Hi, Curtis. The day before Jack conceded, Murphy goes on the air and he says, if Jack doesn't concede, it could be very dangerous. So guess what? The next day, Jack concedes. Jack Citarelli. Yep. Nancy, let me ask you a question. Are you masochist in New Jersey? Do you like being screamed at, abused? Do you like being in a situation where your governor tortures you and doesn't spread any patriotism in your state? You now now earn the title of the least patriotic state in the nation because of Murphy. I understand that, and I did not vote for him, and I'm not a Democrat. I'm Republican. Okay. I do appreciate it. And I that. don't like him. <laughs> oh, thank God. We got it. And you I know, wait, didn't like his wait, being no, no. on the air day in and day out. Nancy. Nancy. Body bank count and terrorizing everybody in New Jersey. What a jerk. You're correct. You know you have something special in New Jersey that we don't have in New York. Uh, it's what California has recall. I know they tried to recall Murphy in the first term, but you have to get so many signatures, like 10% of everybody who voted in the last election. 
But we got to you got to recall this guy, Nancy. You got to recall this guy. Look, in Jersey, people have recalled mayors. They've actually recalled their mayors. Uh, prosecutors, you don't have to recall prosecutors because they're appointed by the governor through the attorney general in Trenton. There's no elections for the prosecutors or the equivalent of the district attorneys. But ladies and gentlemen, I think I think so far we have proven why New Jersey has been rated the least patriotic state in America. I'm putting it all at the feet of half in the bag, gold mine saxes, Phil Murphy. <gasps> Knuckleheads, knuckleheads, knuckleheads. That's all he could ever call his people. When we come back, the most patriotic of all songs that I have ever heard. She is a product of New Jersey. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this will revive you. When I first heard her sing this, I felt a tingle down my leg. Now, I know some of you uh, said that you felt that when Barack Obama first spoke. No, that wasn't me. This was a woman, and it wasn't because it was sexual. It was because it was so patriotic. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. New York proud, New York loud, with New York attitude. All here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. rendition of the Star Spangled Banner I've ever heard in my 68 years. Whitney Houston during the Super Bowl. All New Jersey all the time. If I remember correctly, uh, although she spent a lot of time in Newark, uh, grew up in East Orange, right next door, went to Mount St. Dominic Academy. 
they've constructed a mural to her. I forget where in Newark I saw it recently. Thankfully, they left off the bad boy, Bobby Brown, who led to her, her demise. What a magnificent rendition. That was, and that's from a family of singers. Family of singers. What great patriotic pride. How do you have the greatest songstress of our lifetimes singing the greatest rendition of the Star Spangled Banner? She's New Jersey born and raised. And yet, you're now rated the least patriotic state in America. And to Wildwood, I want to give a special shout-out when uh, my beloved Yankees took Kate Smith. And if you heard the final song that Dina Dina Martin played, it was the Kate Smith uh, rendition of God Bless America as introduced uh, in his show, the Dean Martin Show. The Yankees uh, had it as part of their seventh-inning stretch by orders of George Steinbrenner, owner-operator, when he passed away. They stuck the shiv into Kate Smith. Because of Black Lives Matter. Randy Levine and the rest of them there. They, they could never answer the question. Why did you take her off from singing that? It was George Steinbrenner's wish. Every morning you go to the boardwalk in the Jersey Shore, Wildwood. They raise the flag and they play the Kate Smith rendition. They pull down her statue outside of the Philadelphia Spectrum where she was considered like Part of the Philadelphia Bad Boys hockey team. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. That was such a good rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. It makes you stop. You actually shiver from how powerful it was. And you knew she wasn't faking it. You you could hear in that voice. That was real. That was genuine right down to the marrow of your bones. Let's go to Diane, who's calling from Somerville. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Diane. Hi, Curtis. Uh, I, don't, I don't know who could follow that. And and when we say it's a gift of God, a, a voice like that, we, we truly mean it is a gift. It's beautiful. Um, I, I, was, I just heard part of your, uh, uh, your talking before about um, the, the Medal of Honor winner. And I don't think that I heard the name, and I think you're looking for the name, is which is John Bassalone. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Yes, I, Sergeant I, Bassalone. I, I grew up in Raritan. I'm a Raritan girl, and he was certainly a Raritan boy, and he made us proud. And I, I, I think we're we're also Jersey is especially Central Jersey, the crossroads of the revolution. So I don't know where the no patriotism came in. But anyway, Diane, as, I, I got to let you know, yeah. I, maybe you can answer this. Every second house that I see in Jersey has a plaque on it that says George Washington slept here. That's impossible. (laughs) Come on, Diane. That's impossible. You're kidding. I am not kidding. Every county I've been to, Somerset County, Middlesex County, Bergen (laughs) County, they're all Union County. Oh, you pass a house. It's an older house, of course. They'd never get away with a newer house. And a person with pride would say, George Washington slept in that house. I said 10 blocks away, I saw another house that said George Washington. How could he have fought mm. against the Brits if he was always sleeping in somebody's house? And he only lived for 60-some years, so how did he have a time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think there's some technology with that, huh? So 
But we we have in Somerville we have Washington's headquarters. Just so you won't feel yeah, no, that's that is true. George, that is true. But but, but uh, Sergeant Bassalone's had a beautiful and has and still there erected in Raritan a beautiful uh, sculpture of him in his in his Marine uh, fighting his fighting duds, uh, which is very very uh, touching statue. We have a parade every year in September honoring him and all the military heroes. So, like, who's to say? Who, who's saying that? It's not true that we're not patriotic. Well, um, the, you lots of people here who are related to him or who knew him. I knew relatives. Of, I know relatives of his. I grew up in, as I said, in Maryland. Um He had, you know, family all around. They were just regular folks. And uh, we had a wonderful homecoming day when he, after he got the Medal of Honor. We had uh, Hollywood actors and politicians and everybody in their and their brother. Uh, I think it was 43. I'm not sure. Yes, and you know, he could have stayed home as the yeah. greatest warrior of all time in America through any war, and he chose to go back to the Pacific. He put on his U.S. Marine Corps uniform and was part of the invasion of Iwo Jima. Again, heroic, but unfortunately yeah. on this occasion he died in battle. Yeah, that's heartbreaking, isn't it? Not only that, I don't know if you're aware, Diane, before he became a Marine, the first time at the start of the war, he had been in the United States Army and had been assigned to the Philippines. And he wanted action. Mm -hmm. He wanted action. He said, no, 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 I'm not going to join the uh, Army. They'll probably send me back to the Philippines. So he joined the Marines, and they put him right out in the front. And on one particular battle, I'll never forget it, my uncles told me about him because they were proud Italian-Americans, my my Uncle Vincenz, uh, my Uncle Ralphie, they would go to Newark every year to buy a new Cadillac. At one time before the riots, Newark per square inch had more Cadillac dealerships than even Detroit had. And per capita, per person, they taught me that there were more Italians in Newark than anywhere else in America. And they were correct. And I know a lot of people say, how could that be? Well, per capita, per person, they are correct. And they told me about Sergeant John Barcelona. They said, there were 3,000 Japanese charging. He and his colleagues, they had a few machine gun nests. And they kept firing and firing, and the Japanese kept coming in swarms. They were like suicide attacks. It was only three of them left. He had shot up every bullet he had in his machine gun. He was fighting them off with machetes and handguns. Only three of those U.S. Marines survived against thousands of Japanese and as a result of that, he won the Congressional Medal of Honor. There are three, excuse me, there are two Navy destroyers named after him, other facilities named after him. Mm -hmm. 1943, mm -hmm. he went on the U.S. war bond tour with Kate Smith, who sold more war bonds than anybody else. And then they take a statue down and won't let us sing God Bless America at Yankee Stadium. And nobody teaches about John Bassalone in the school systems of New Jersey any longer other than in Raritan, where he was from. I know one one occasion where a teacher, Joanne Liptak, um, had, was a teacher here. He's retired now. And uh, she and her class, if I got the story right, she and her class um, started, promoted uh, having a uh, an annual celebration, and I think that's the beginnings of the parade. So that's Joanne yeah, Lipton and her class. You do me so a that favor. Was a school, Raritan Primary School. Diane, you <laughs> so we're, do yeah. me a favor. You stay in touch with me. You let me know 
when the parade is coming, and I will alert everybody wherever they are in the tri-state area and beyond to make sure they attend to honor the America's greatest warrior of all time who fought three times, first in the Army, then in the Marines in 1940. He's back. He's a hero, the Congressional Medal of Honor winner. He's going on the U.S. war bond tour, selling war bonds with Kate Smith, who sold more than anyone else. And he says, I got to go back. I got to go back to the Pacific. And then in leading the charge uh, of Iwo Jima, he is, uh, hold Diane on that line. She's going to get a Curtis Lee with Booby Prize, that's for sure. He leads the charge, and then he's killed in battle. Why is it they're not teaching about Sergeant John Bassalone in the school systems of New Jersey? You pay so much property tax in New Jersey. That's one of the reasons that so many of you are fleeing. Why is it that the South is way more patriotic than the North? And I'm not talking just to the Confederacy, because, you know, they teach their kids about the Confederacy, too. But I'm telling you, they're way more patriotic than we are up North. They do a much better job in their school system teaching about American history, teaching about our heroes and patriotic pride. And many more of them go into the military. It's now a professional calling. So you're not drafted any longer. Per capita, per person, you look at all the folks in our U.S. military services, whether it's the Navy, the Marines, the Army, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, like two-thirds of them are from the South. Without them, can you imagine We'd have to be hiring Hessians and mercenaries like the Brits did in the American Revolution against us. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The other Curtis Lee with Booby Prize I'm offering out there is who is that great Olympian from New Jersey, although you never would have known it because you always saw him in Houston. Before he won the gold medal at the Los Angeles Olympiad, the Russians were boycotting. I think he... Uh, The long jump, high jump, the sprints, 100 meter, 220, uh, the relay race. He was like all world. I think Bob from uh, South Jersey knows who I'm talking about. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Bobby. Hey, you the man. You are the best radio show host going. Well, thank you. I'm just trying to do be fair to New Jersey, which has really been knocked out for the count. Imagine now voted the least patriotic state in the nation. Well, not my block. Down here in South Jersey, everybody flies the flag. Good. Good. Now, who was, uh, who was I? T- which Jersey. great Olympic champion I was I? I think you're t- thinking of Carl Lewis. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he was in North Jersey. We have a lot of Olympians come from New Jersey, believe it or not, Curtis. Absolutely. But you would never know that because when he was training and where he was living at that time before he won all those gold medals in Los Angeles in 88 was in Houston. That was his base of operation. Right. But he's a Jersey guy. I think his sister was also an Olympic athlete. And it's like you say to yourself, God, they, it's like it's almost like New Jersey is the Rodney Dangerfield of states. Did you ever get no that respect. feeling, Bob? No respect. No respect at all. I mean, think of it. Half of you have to learn about what's going on in Philadelphia, the carjacking capital of America. The other half of you get all your news from New York City, so it's all about New York City. It's like New Jersey, you're people of no consequence. So no wonder why you have such low esteem. Yeah, Crossroads of the Revolution, we were called. They were fighting in Philly, fighting in New York. And Came across I New remember Jersey to get to both battles. That's right. I remember when I first went to Trenton to organize the Guardian Angels there, Bob, and I saw that Trenton Battle Monument. 
but George Washington was crossing the Delaware to take Trenton from the Hessians, yeah, yeah, you know, the hired mercenaries for the Brits, and then he went on to Princeton. I mean, that was a historic battle. Many said that was the turning point of the revolution. An amazing series of uh, paintings about that in Trenton. You think anybody in Trenton knows that? No. They're all bloods. They're shooting up like there's a revolution going on in the streets. They you took you, me when I was in grammar school up to the Trenton barracks and showed us history. Oh. That's when they actually taught history in school. You know where I got to go? I got to I got to bring my sons to the Washington Crossing State Park in Titusville. Yes. Because that's where they mounted, that's where they, they did the, the crossing. My father told me, because he was a merchant seaman 54 years, he said, Curtis, you're not going to believe it. They went uh, across in a storm. The Hessians were in their camp. They had no idea that George Washington was coming with the American patriots. Against all odds, he goes, I'm, su- I'm surprised they made it across the Delaware. And if they hadn't, that might have been the turning point in the revolution. Absolutely. They don't get they enough. They made a lot of cannonballs down in this area for the revolution. Oh, they did. You mean in the foundries? Hog iron in the uh, marsh. Wow. Yep. A lot I, of history down here. I got uh, Well, like I told you, every second house I've ever been at in New Jersey, they have a plaque on the side, George Washington slept here. Come on. How could that be, Bob? That is funny. Yeah, but it's true. Every, I know it is. Every town, every tree. George Washington came on this street. George Washington and the troops slept in this park. I started counting, and I said, that would have been impossible. He would have had to have lived 140 years to do all this. <laughs> That's right. Anyway. I uh, know Bass alone. I, my dad was a Marine during World War II. He was in the 4th and then the 6th Marine Division during the war, and he knew of Bass alone. And you're 100% right that he went back, and, and he wound up losing his life on Iwo Jima. And they say, this guy, his history should be taught. Also, remember, Italian-Americans, during World War II, Italian-Americans were not considered to be white. Remember, they were, they were categorized the way blacks and Hispanics were. Only after World War II were they thought of as being white. A lot of people don't know that. The prejudice against Italian-Americans, to know you had the greatest warrior of all, an Italian-American... From Raritan, New Jersey, the same time you had the Yankee Clipper, Joe DiMaggio, they were not considered equal to whites. I know we focus on blacks and Hispanics, and rightfully so, especially all the heroic sacrifices made by Puerto Ricans and blacks in all of those wars. Absolutely no doubt about it. But Italian-Americans were not considered the equal of whites until after World War II. Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Think about it. Who is the most famous non-citizen in New Jersey? 
Well, of course, our mayor, Eric Adams, who lives in apartment 22H in Fort Lee, everybody knows that. That's his primary residence. Uh, Matt Meaner, our producer extraordinaire, where do you think that our mayor was last night at 8 o'clock? Give me that to music. This will sort of help guide you. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. So, uh, Eric Adams went to the Brooklyn Navy Yard last night at 8 o'clock, and I said, well, maybe showing some patriotic pride, because so far he hasn't been seen this weekend doing anything patriotic. I need that music. Okay, you just can't get enough of this. No, no, no. You can keep it down a little bit, okay? So, he was praising the Dominican Navy. That's right. There was a ship in the Brooklyn Navy Yard from the Dominican Republic. He was celebrating with the Dominican Navy. I got to tell you, I didn't even know they had a Navy. What, maybe two uh, tugboats? He's spending hours praising the Dominican Navy. Okay, but has he spent any time doing anything patriotic? You know they had they had a uh, 4th of July parade in Brooklyn earlier today. They were reviving that because of the lockdown and pandemic. I don't believe he was there. I don't think he went to Stapleton where the U.S. Navy used to be until Chuck E. Cheese Schumer and Congressman Gerald the Whale Nadler chased them away because they said, oh, the U.S. Navy must let us know if they're carrying nuclear weapons and their policy is they can never let anybody know. So they chased the Navy out of Stapleton in Staten Island. They chased the Coast Guard out of Governor's Island. This is the most important port on the eastern coast of New York, and we're not protected by anything. No naval vessels, very few Coast Guard vessels. God forbid we're attacked again like uh, in nine, uh, 9-11. You know what the first thing the Congressman Gerald Nadler said, the whale, right after the attack? Where are the planes? Where are the ships? A hey, schmuck, you chased them all away. That's why New York is one of the least patriotic states and cities in America, not quite as bad as Newark, which is the least patriotic state, and uh, New Jersey, the least patriotic state, and Newark, the least patriotic city. We're going to be talking about Newark in the next hour because there's a reason that Newark has fallen from such a past in which they were so patriotic, so proud of being Americans, to the point now where it's not even taught in the schools. Not even taught in the schools. Let's go if we can to Paul in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Paul. Curtis, how you doing? Thank you for all you do. I love your show, and thanks to uh, Mr. Katz for a great lineup you guys put on at WABC. Uh, to call your point about uh, Whitney Houston, that was 1991, and uh, that was 10 days after the start of the Gulf War when they were trying to liberate Kuwait. I believe that was Desert Storm. So there was a real patriotic fever at the time. There was also the Giants-Buffalo game, I think, and that was a wide right uh, Norman kick, and the Giants won the Super Bowl. And uh, my third point, real quick, is uh, Marvin Gaye's uh, 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 1983 NBA All-Star game, uh, Star Spangled Banner song, is uh, another classic. Again, thanks for all you do. See you later. No, appreciate that because uh, I did a tribute to Marvin Gaye last night in the overnight. 
you know, and which I take you to the break of dawn because poor Marvin Gaye, one of the two best Motown songsters of all time. There's obviously Diana Ross. By the way, she born on March 26th, my birthday, and naturally Marvin Gaye. He added an E to the end of his name. She didn't want to be associated with his father, who was abusive. And then with the height of such success in Motown, Motown having left uh, Detroit, which was ravaged uh, to Los Angeles, with the height of that success, he was in such serious depression. He was bipolar. He went back to live with his mother and father in their home. He was in the basement, got into an argument with his father. And his father shot and killed Marvin Gaye. Nothing ever happened to the guy. What a loss. I ever tell you the story, Matt Meany? It'd be interesting. You know, Barry Gordy, who is um, the founder of Motown and put together a lot of those great acts from Diana Ross, right, and the Supremes to the Temptations to Smokey Robinson to obviously Marvin Gaye, was originally a pimp. In the city of Detroit. I found this out when I was forming the Guardian Angels. I, said, I have oh, not heard this story. Yeah, Barry Gordy was a pimp. He would take the city bus, the Detroit city bus, to the cast corridor, cast corridor, corridor to look at his girls. He didn't even have enough money for a car. A low-budget pimp. I think he realized early on, since the buses in Detroit, like, almost never run, that it was time to get into a new business other than being a low-budget pimp. And then he went on to create one of the greatest sounds in the history of music, musical collaboration, and now in Los Angeles. Detroit has fallen on such hard times, but the memories are so strong. I I never heard that song. I'm going to have to get that song, Marvin Gaye's rendition in the NBA of the Star Spangled Banner because we just heard Whitney Houston the greatest Star Spangled Banner I have ever heard, and I think any of you ever heard. Daughter of New Jersey, raised in East Orange, went to Mount St. Dominic Academy. They put up a huge mural to her. They should have statues of her in Irvington, in East, East Orange, West Orange, especially in Newark. But when we come back, I'm going to tell you why Newark, which used to be one of the most patriotic cities in America, yes, is now considered the least patriotic. And it's because of two words. Raz Baraka, the mayor, when he was principal at Central High School, he hated America. He taught the kids there to hate America. And now that he is mayor of Newark, it's not Americanism he preaches it's Pan-Africanism. Why? Because he's the son of Leroy Jones, Amira Baraka, a hardcore Pan-Africanist and a communist. Yes. Yes. And who's his chief of staff? His brother. So, like father, like sons. This is what you elected in Newark. And that's why you've been rated the least patriotic city in America. New Jersey's largest city. Is now the least patriotic in America. And you can blame it on you electing Raz Baraka. Hates the military, hates cops, hates America, and will single-handedly destroy your city before he gets through with you. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I did not shoot the dead. 
Ah, this song by Eric Clapton, so pertinent, I Shot the Sheriff. There's some national news affecting the lives and service of our police officers in the United States. One is troubling. That's in Akron, Ohio. I'm surprised I haven't heard LeBron James speak up yet. He's always so quick to tweet. We'll get to that momentarily. The other took place in Kentucky. Not far, remember, from that infamous case where police officers with a no-knock warrant in Louisville went in to the uh, apartment of Breonna Taylor. Her boyfriend had a legal carried uh, permit for a handgun. Fired at them. They fired back. They basically shot up the apartment and ended up killing Breonna Taylor. And the whole question of no-knock warrants came up because they had a no-knock warrant. So there was a move to say you can't have no-knock warrants because tragedies like this occurred. There's no doubt about it. Breonna Taylor was not a criminal. Uh, The boyfriend was not a criminal. They used the no-knock warrant. They had the wrong location, the wrong intel, and it was Michigan. It was just horrible. But there was a situation that just occurred outside of Louisville. These uh, police officers, a captain from a nearby uh, police department and a deputy, William Petrie, were serving a arrest warrant about 7 p.m. to a guy named Lance Stores. In addition, there was a uh, canine dog and his handler, and they were serving the warrant. They had been told this guy might not be willing to come in, but they weren't doing a no-knock warrant, which I would have suggested based on this guy's reputation. This guy, Lance Stores, had ended up firing hundreds of rounds from pre-positioned firearms throughout the home. He knew the cops were coming for him. Normally, the cops would wait until like 3, 4 in the morning, figuring the guy's got to go to sleep sometime. And then they would have come in with a no-knock warrant, and they would have come in with tremendous force. They would have had to. He was wanted on a number of domestic violence charges, And they were doing their lawful duty, which was to serve him with an arrest warrant. The moment they knocked on that door and called out his name, Lance Stores, he started firing on them, firing on them. Hundreds of rounds from pre-positioned firearms throughout his house. He was ready to take his last stand. And as dozens of uh, police officers responded from sheriff's departments, even cops from nearby Louisville and other municipalities, he just kept firing at them, and many of them were injured. In the end, as he was taken uh, into custody, imagine, two brave police officers dead on arrival. The canine dog, Drago was his name, dead and his canine handler, Jacob Chaffins, dead. There are people who do this. That's why you have to have a no-knock warrant. They have weapons of war in their homes. They have ammunition. Whether they're paranoid, neurotic, or whatever, they're ready for their their, uh, Mexican last stand, so to speak. Look how horrible this is. 
And then not too far away in Akron, Ohio, home of LeBron James. I'm surprised he hasn't tweeted in on this. He's always tweeting in on things he sometimes should avoid. Like, remember when that uh, African-American woman in Ohio, I think in Columbus, tried to stab a police officer uh, who was serving uh, also, was trying to arrest uh, a friend, and she was trying to stab that friend, and he risked his life, and he had to end up shooting her, and right away he jumped in and threw gasoline on the fire. He was wrong. And then he shut up. I guarantee you LeBron James will be tweeting on this because this is a situation in which Cops ended up getting into a chase with a guy who uh, was some kind of delivery guy, young man named Walker. Apparently, he had a ski mask on. It was a high-speed chase uh, right in Akron. Eleven police cars were involved. You can see the video. Uh, They did find a uh, loaded weapon in his vehicle, but he did not have the weapon when he broke from the car and began to run away. And the cops uh, fired upwards of 60 shots in his direction and cut him up like Swiss cheese. It was a brutal killing. And they're trying to sort of put all the facts together. There are demonstrations out there. I anticipate problems in Akron. There will be activists that will flood in from nearby Cleveland. It's not that far away, only about an hour away. They'll come in from Pittsburgh. They'll come in from Youngstown, Warren. They'll come in from all the places that have had these rallies before. They'll come down from Detroit. And you better believe there's going to be probably violent demonstrations. Already the NAACP is saying it was murder, point blank. This black man was killed, struck more than 60 times by 90 fired bullets for a possible traffic violation. This doesn't happen to white people in America So says the local NAACP. We'll keep you uh, informed. Uh, This is um, changing by the moment. Mr. Walker was a 25-year-old DoorDash driver who refused to stop his car, fired at the officers during a chase, but was not armed when he fled the vehicle. But he was wearing a ski mask, and he wouldn't be wearing a ski mask during the pandemic. No, not a ski mask. So... There's still variables here, but right away when I think about this shooting, it's, uh, whoa. Brings me back, remember, to when Amadou Diallo was shot 41 times on the steps of his apartment there in the South Bronx. And remember, because he pulled out his wallet and the undercover uh, team, the street crime unit, thought it was a gun. And that ended up uh, having to be tried in Albany. The PBA asked for a change of menu, said the four police officers, white police officers, cannot get a fair trial. Uh, and they were exonerated. I think uh, one retired, one went on to the fire department. I think the rest served out their time until they retired. But, boy, uh, that was when Bruce Springsteen, remember, uh, did that famous song about the 41 shots. That was 99. And then later on during the Bloomberg years, I remember this uh, young black guy named Sean Bell. Last I had heard of him, he had been a pitcher uh John Adams High School, you know, uh, called John Gotti Institute of Lower Learning. But he was a pitcher on the baseball team, African-American. He was going to a bachelor party, which was really a strip club, uh, that the police were investigating for prostitution, acts of prostitution, was loved the uh, club uh, Calva. And something something happened there. 
And I remember there was a detective undercover in Sonora who began shooting first. And then Sean Bell apparently put the uh, pedal, uh, accelerated in the car, hitting the cop. And then, boy, they unloaded. There was like, I think, 50 shots there, 50 rounds. Three people were shot. Three officers went on trial. They were exonerated. But that was another one that, like you said, man, how the hell did that happen? 50 shots. The guys, they, you know, they were at a bachelor party. Now, was it at... The right kind of location, uh, Club Calva? No, I was a strip club. Uh, they had prostitution there. But, hey, show me a strip club that doesn't have prostitution. But it was being investigated by the NYPD. Sharpton wasn't as frisky with that one. Because, remember, he had Bloomberg. It wasn't Giuliani. With Giuliani, it was always a protest. It was demonstration de jour. Because Giuliani, Michael Baticic, would not pay him off. Bloomberg paid him off. Gave him the envelope every month. Yeah, every month he got the envelope. Uh, so Sharpton wasn't as belligerent during the 12 Bloomberg years. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But now we got to talk about why Newark, New Jersey, the largest city in New, New, New Jersey, is rated the least patriotic in the nation. And I got to tell you, as much as I know about New Jersey, more than anyone else who hosts programs here at WABC, I know even more about Newark. I would say Newark is my third city. New York City, obviously, you cut my veins and arteries. I bleed New York City. Chicago, uh, setting up the Guardian Angels there. On my dad's side, the Polish side from Chicago, I spent a lot of time there. Uh, And Newark, I spent a lot of time. And when I saw this report, I said, yeah, it makes sense. Newark has also been rated the dirtiest city in, in all of America, and it is. According to its own citizens who are dissatisfied with the garbage disposal, you go to the city parks, you go to Branch Brook Park, you go to Week Wake, you go to all the great parks in Newark. It was known as the city of parks. Garbage everywhere, flotsam and jetsam, the greenery. Who's responsible for that? Raj Baraka. He doesn't care. He's the mayor there. And the people have elected him. And when they elected him, they didn't uh, elect somebody who was busting his buttons and bridges with pride about being an American, an African-American. No. He said very specifically, I am a pan-Africanist. His flag is the red, green, and black, as it's always been. He was raised that way by his father, Leroy Jones, a.k.a. Amira Baraka who uh, was a separatist, a black separatist, a communist. He was registered as a communist. Uh, And he hated white people, straight up. This guy, Raj Baraka, the mayor of Newark now, New Jersey's largest city, was the principal of Central High School, I think for about seven or eight years. I think I, I, I dealt with Central High School, not him particularly, Raj Baraka, always friends of the criminals, never the cops, But I remember it had to do with some kind of a ceremony they were having at Central High School. And it struck me that it wasn't at all what America is about. I can't necessarily connect the dots. But I will tell you, his father, Leroy Jones, enemy of America, produced two sons, Raj Baraka, who was duly elected by the citizens of Newark to be mayor. And he chose his brother as his chief of staff. So it's like... You might as well have three Leroy Joneses running Newark, New Jersey. 
No patriotic pride. The last time I was in Newark, and I was walking around Washington Park. It's uh, I mean, it's a great park, Washington Park. They have the uh, monument to George Washington. It's really one of the best that I've seen. And they're going to change the name of the park from Washington Park to uh, Harriet Tubman Park. I don't have a problem with that. There are plenty of Washington Parks. Harriet Tubman was a great, great American. And then there's Military Park, where Washington actually camped out. Now, this is one of the true things in Jersey. Everybody claims George Washington slept in their house in Jersey. They got plaques. Oh, uh, he he bivouacked uh, with the Colonial Revolutionary Army in our park. No, Military Park in Newark, that is true. Washington and his army was there before they ended up going to Valley Forge for the winter. And boy, they almost all froze to death. And then when I go outside of the Essex County Courthouse, which I've been to a great deal, they got this great statue of Abraham Lincoln, uh, 16th president of the United States, kept the Union alive. He's seated. He's not standing. He's not sitting like the uh, Lincoln Memorial in D.C., but he's like on a chair. You know, it's a bronze. It's really so well done. The past City Hall recently, uh, they've got a statue to George Floyd. I don't have a problem with that. I believe in more statues, more statues, not less statues, more statues. You can celebrate a lot of different people. You can have statues up for people for a lot of different reasons, but... Don't be ripping down all statues. Yeah, some of them, I I get it. I get it. And they took out their Columbus statue in Washington Park and put up a Harry Tubman statue. Okay, should have kept the Columbus statue. I told you I was taught by my my uncles. My uncles, Vincennes, Samvin, Ralphie, they used to go every year to buy a new Cadillac in Newark. You used to have more Cadillac dealerships per capita, per person, than any city in America, including Detroit, before the riots in 1967. And they would tell me when we'd go there, they'd say, Curtis, you know, there are more Italian-Americans per capita, per person here in Newark than any city in America. And they were correct. They were absolutely correct. Now, you would say, wait a second, New York City. Let me tell you something. You think we had more Italian-Americans? There are more Canadian-Italians in Toronto. Then there are Italian-Americans that were in New York City. So I know we think that everything revolves around New York City, but guess what? It doesn't. When we come back, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of exactly why Newark now, New Jersey, is considered the least patriotic city in all of America. And I'm telling you, it's two words. It's the mayor, Roz Baraka. I shot the sheriff, but I swear it was in self-defense. Talk Radio 77 WABC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check this out. 
No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Rage Against the Machine, its lead performer, hardcore communists, they broke up. There's nobody there to replace them. But this song, give me a little bit more of that vibe, is synonymous with Newark, New Jersey now. And the inability of Raj Baraka to support the police instead of supporting criminality. When I think Newark, New Jersey, and what I think, ladies and gentlemen, because I know it, they export carjackers. They export car thieves, and they're all throughout the tri-state area. Example, tomorrow I'll be in Travis and Staten Island for the longest-running 4th of July parade in America. I suggest all of you in Jersey take a trip. Come over the Outer Bridge Crossing, the Bayonne Bridge. Come over the Gothos Bridge and see true patriotism now that you've been labeled the least patriotic state in America and especially in Newark, the least patriotic city. So every night there are armies of guys, thugs, who come over into Staten Island, easy to get to from Jersey and Newark, and they're looking for high-end cars. In fact, they go on real estate websites, and bingo, they find your house, whether you're up in Tote Hill, whether you're on Lighthouse Hill, all these areas that are high income, and they wait until about 3 or 4 in the morning, And then they do a home invasion. They break in. They break into your garage. They grab the keys, and all of a sudden they know that you have high-end cars, Beamers and Benzes, Rolls Royces, high-end cars. And they drive back to uh, Newark to commit crimes and then maybe ditch, ditch the car somewhere or take it to a chop shop over near the port of Newark, Elizabeth. They can put it in a cargo container. Boy, they'll take it right over to Saudi Arabia or other countries, even with the plates on, the New York plates on. They don't care. They consider that, hey, you see, I'm driving a car with New York plates on it. It's a premium. So they go over to this guy in Lighthouse Hill. It's June 12th, 4 a.m. in the morning. He's got a 400,000 Rolls-Royce Dawn convertible in his garage. They break in. They know it's there. They steal it. They're rolling out. He runs downstairs because there's too many of them, man. (laughs) He'll slit his throat. He logs on to his computer. He tracks the device. He hits the remote kill switch, and he strands them where? In Newark. And there have been a string of recent break-ins and home invasions throughout Staten Island, which they swipe the keys. They take the cars. They drive it over to Newark. Car thefts are up 114% in Staten Island. Most of them are from guys, thugs, in Newark. Citywide here in New York, 61%. And nothing being done. Nothing. Hey, you ask our Mayor Eric Adams, who hasn't done anything patriotic this weekend. I wonder if he's going to be in Travis. What do you think the over-under point spread is that he's coming over to Travis, the nation's longest-lasting 4th of July parade, busting his buttons uh, and bridges with patriotic pride? I hope he does. 
Democratic mayors have been there. Democrats actually walk arm in arm with Republicans. It's one of the few parades where everybody puts their differences aside. They walk in solidarity with patriotic pride. So I do hope that Eric Adams would show up. But if you were to say to him, you need to call up Ros Baraka, keep your carjackers in Newark. You saw what happened out in uh, Nassau County? Bruce Blakeman, the brand-new county executive, was screaming about all the young guys coming over to Nassau County to steal the high-end cars. Three guys from Newark wrecked a stolen Benz and then crashed into multiple Nassau County police cars. They had loaded 9-millimeter pistols, 15 rounds. One was 16, 17, the other 16. The the driver was charged with fleeing in a motor vehicle, five counts of second-degree assault. Two of the suspects were released while the other was kept in jail due to a warrant. Where else? In Newark. They're invading other areas around the tri-state to steal cars and bring it back to Newark and commit crimes or bring it to a chop shop over by Van Vecten. Van Vecten is where the separation between Hillside, where Phil Rizzuto used to live, with his wife, Elizabeth and Newark. That's where all the chop shops are. And even the police commissioner of the Nassau County Police Department said they are hired guns by the gangs in Newark who come here. They're loading them up. They're driving out here. They're committing crimes. They're reckless. They're dangerous. They're damaging our vehicles. They're hurting our cops. Bruce Blakeman, you got to get on the phone. You can't just have press conferences. You got to call Roz Baraka out. Because he does nothing to stop this, nothing to support the cops. The cops in Newark are not permitted to get involved with chases. These guys steal cars and they pop donuts and wheelies. And the cops have to watch them. They can't engage in a chase. Did you see just what happened in Weekwake, right off the interstate? Five o'clock at night, right outside of Bodega. These young thugs went to where else? Jersey City, stole a white Honda, did a drive-by shooting, shot nine people. And you know the reason they stole the car was to commit the crime. Then they're going to get rid of the car, get rid of the evidence, probably bring it to a chop shop. That's it. Gone. And go out and do it again and again and again. So Newark, New Jersey is now known for exporting carjackers, car thieves, and armed thugs who come into surrounding cities and surrounding communities and commit these crimes. Raj Baraka knows that, says nothing about it does not say to his police, this is an embarrassment to us, that we are now considered the carjacking capital, the drive-by capital. We got to rein in our own. We got to rein in our own. And the lack of patriotism in Newark, I'm going to tell you straight up, if I did a Rorschach test with Roz Baraka and I showed him three pictures, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, he would diss them and dismiss them. I know, I know people who are Pan-Africanists. Yeah, he would probably more readily choose uh, Marcus Garvey, W.E.B. Du Bois, Stokely Carmichael. Oh, yeah, he would choose those. Look, he's always been that way. He's never pretended to be patriotic. He's never pretended to be supporters of the police department. And as a result, people in Newark are stuck with this. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Chris, who's calling from Eastern Suffolk. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Chris. Yeah, how's it going, Curtis, man? Thank you for broadcasting tonight. Uh, 
I'm hanging on your every word. And uh, I just wanted to uh, say, you know, this uh, one time when you when you were running for mayor, uh, you were doing a uh, presser, and uh, and uh, there was some guy with no shirt on, and uh, you know, he looked like a homeless guy. He was a little bit upset. And what you did was you walked around the podium. I think you put your hand on the chest of the police officer and said, I got this. And you consoled him. And um, at that point, I knew that you were supposed to be the mayor of New York, okay? And uh, I watched that video on the couch with my family, and um, I started crying, man. You, It was emotional, and you really moved me, and I said, this guy has to be mayor. I just wanted to share that with you, uh, you know. I don't know. Thank you, Chris, because uh, that that young man I've known for many years, he's in and out of mental health facilities. He's got to be on his medication. Sometimes he's very lucid. He's a great conversationalist. And other times he'll uh, experience a psychotic disorder, as you saw in that film. Uh, He originally was in Long Island City. He happens to be a gay guy. He was living with his partner and uh, naturally they weren't getting along. He got kicked to the street. Uh, he uh, suffered from uh, enormous depression from that and has never recovered. And he is now a professional shoplifter. He goes in and out of Macy's. He's constantly stealing stuff, getting into trouble. And it's just a downward spiral. If he has the proper medication, Chris, if he gets counseling and he should be in a mental health care facility, he should not be walking the streets He can recover, and you would be surprised. I've had conversations with him when he has been sane, lucid, and sober. Uh, He is a great conversationalist, and he has a lot of knowledge. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Craig, who's calling from Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Craig. Curtis. Yes, Craig. You know, I, I talked to your call screener last night. I just wanted my cap. Wait, wait a second. You earned your cap, your Curtis Sliwa, WABC baseball cap, and you didn't get one, Craig? Uh, yeah, I talked about the uh, too much Curtis. Remember I talked to you about that? Yes. Frank? Yes. Yes, well, you know what it was. I think the person you were speaking to at that point was an ally of Frank Morano. He'll be on tonight, 1 to 5. He begins his week. Very special occasion for Frank Morano. He is now being syndicated across the nation. I'll vomit. I will not listen to him ever. They said, Craig, 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 Craig. Now, now you want me to give you the WABC baseball cap with Curtis Lee on it. I get you don't want the Frank Morano logo. But how do how do I how do I do that after you said that about Frank Morano? Well, he's he's dumb. You should be the you should be syndicated. No, 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 no. I I do the kind of talk radio program uh, that's theater of the mind. I don't have guests. I talk to myself, as you know. You know, it's it's sort of a form of therapy. I'm able to calm myself down by talking to myself. But Craig. Going to do you a solid. I'm not going to hold it against you that you dissed and dismissed, Frank. So, Carmesita, Carmelo, what's your name again? Uh, phone scale. Camelia from Canarsie. I should know by now, right? Please, uh, let's make sure that we make sure Craig gets his cap. Don't let Frank Morano know. Don't let Frank Morano know. He'll be very upset. Just chill out, Craig. Hey, sticks the shiv in Frank, right? And then all of a sudden he wants a hat. 
Let's go to Dan, who's also calling from uh, Danbury, Connecticut. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Dan the Man. Hey, good night, Curtis. Uh, we've listened a long time, first time calling. I just want to say something uh, positive. I don't know if you remember when the Watergate scandal was uh, taken off in the fall of 73. There was a wonderful song, not so much a song, but a man reading uh, with, with uh, music in the background. It was Canada's Walter Cronkite, Gordon Sinclair. It's called The Americans, and I think young people should hear it, and maybe uh, young people all around the world should hear it. I don't know what the logistics are of you playing something like that. Tex Ritter, the country singer, did a cover of that in 74. But Gordon Sinclair, the Americans, um, he was candid as Walter Cronkite. Uh, give it a play. I think, I think it's... Uh, yeah, no, 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 no. I, that resonates with me. Isn't it amazing, Dan, that we have Gordon Sinclair, a Canadian, who's able to speak about American patriotic pride. We had Patrick Juve. I play his song often. It was a classic disco song, taking you to the dance floor. I'll make sure we bring that up next. A gift from Patrick Juve from France, like the many gifts that the French have bestowed upon us, helping us fight the Brits so that we wouldn't have to bow and curtsy and, and, and kiss the tuchus of the queen and those welfare deadbeats, especially Randy Andy, the pedophile on a pedestal, Prince Andrew. Oh, God. It's like the biggest welfare cheats in the world. And imagine the Union Jack instead of the Stars and Stripes. Say to yourself, yeah, Sinclair the Canadian, Patrick Jouvet the Frenchman, and how many Americans, 39% according to this Fox News uh, poll, have no patriotic pride for a number of reasons. I, I don't understand that. We've been through worse. We've been through worse than President Joe Biden. I know many of you say, oh, it's the worst. No, 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 it's bad. It's not the worst. We've been in wars. Imagine. WW2, we talked about the valiant heroism of John Bassalone from Raritan, served in the Army, came back from the Philippines before the war, signed up with the uh, United States uh, Marine Corps, fought off Japanese hordes, got the Congressional Medal of Honor, came back to America in 43, went on a U.S. war bonds tour with Kate Smith, who sold more U.S. war bonds than anyone else, and then he said to the Pentagon, you got to send me back. I want to be with my men. They said, you've done so much against all odds you've survived. No, sent me to the front lines. They did. And he died in battle in Iwo Jima. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. When we come back, speaking of Newark, I know many of you like, uh, what's his name, David Chase, you know, who created The Sopranos. I think he was born and raised in Mount Vernon. And grew up, I think, in Clifton, where they make the pierogies uh, and the kielbasa outside of Patterson. And he thinks he knows everything about Newark. And he made that movie, The Many Saints of Newark, sort of uh, the, what we call that, the Sopranos prequel, which was about a very good friend of mine. I, I, I believe he disparaged him unnecessarily who was one of the uh, prime figures to hold the line in Newark when the riots in 67 broke out. And if not for this guy, Tony Imperiali, the mob would have worked its way right up Bloomfield Avenue and there would have went to North Ward. They were able to hold the line because of Tony Imperiali and the North Ward Civic uh, Association, of whom I got to know personally because he gave me advice that helped save my life in Newark. 
Sports Talk Station with the King of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Great, great disco dance song. All of you baby boomers, you probably remember it, whether you were going to Club 2001, Odyssey, and Bay Ridge, where I was. Get it up there, that music. Or you were at Club Zanzibar in downtown Newark, where I was, and let me tell you something, I was like the only white guy there. Feet don't fail me now. They did not play this song, only because they didn't have it in its rotation. Club Zanzibar, downtown Newark, it was hot. I mean, if you could dance... They actually would give you an exemption. Your your Caucasoid complexion would be your protection as long as you could dance. But then at a certain time, feet don't fail me now. I had to run to Penn Station in downtown Newark, make sure I got on that path train, make sure I got out of there before the brothers decided, whoa, too much white boy here from uh, New York, Curtis Lee. But I will tell you this. Newark was one of the most patriotic cities in America at one time, no doubt about it. It was like a little New York. They had the airport, they had the port, Port Newark, Elizabeth, they had the railroads, industrial might. That's where WABC started over uh, close to 100 years ago, WJZ, at the old Westinghouse um, factory that was making radios. And they determined, we're making all these radios, but we need radio stations. So they created WJZ, which was a little chicken coop on top of their factory near, I think it was not, it was near, not Ironbound. It was near Down Neck, Down Neck, where all the industrial bases, a lot of Polish people lived there at the time. And they would put a ladder right next to the factory, and you'd have to climb up the ladder in order to broadcast, and the chicken coop on top. And then within a year, they came to New York City. And you'll be reliving the history all year long as we celebrate our 100th anniversary here. But it all started in Newark. And, you know, WOR, our competition, you know, with um, all the gamblings, grandpa gambling, father gambling, and then John gambling, it started in Newark. Bambergers. That's right. Or broader market when they had all the department stores and they would broadcast from Bambergers in downtown Newark. And they, they eventually left. Came to New York City. And let me mention David Chase. Because David Chase, uh, who created The Sopranos, considers himself like the expert of uh, Newark for some reason. I think he grew up in Clifton, was born and raised in Mount Vernon. That used to be uh, part black, part Italian. You see, Denzel Washington is getting one of the uh, presidential awards. It was announced. He's from Mount Vernon. Uh, Sean Puff's daddy, Combs, is from Mount Vernon. A lot of Italians who are from Mount Vernon. But I gotta, I gotta mention to you about David Chase because he created this movie, The Many Saints of Newark, which was the Sopranos prequel. And some of it was about Tony Imperiali, who um, went on to become a state assemblyman, state senator, I think tried to run for governor, failed. He was a bit coarse. He was a tough guy, very tough, but it had to be tough because in the aftermath of the riots in 67, I mean, people were fleeing Newark. Some of you listening right now, you would have stayed in Newark, whether you were in Central Ward along Springfield Ave, down near Weak Wake, 
uh, would have been uh, over there in their Branch Brook Park and Forest Hills. Yeah, yeah, Forest Hills in the North Ward of Newark, not Forest Hills, Queens. And how many went to Barringer? Which pretty soon you had to end up wearing a bulletproof body condom right across the street from the cathedral. Sacred Heart, oh, magnificent cathedral, fifth largest in the United States in English Gothic style. When I walked in that cathedral the first time, I said, this is even better than St. Patrick's Cathedral. Oh, don't tell the Archdiocese in New York. It is magnificent. From the Cathedral of Sacred Heart, next to Barringer High School, you can see every, you can see New York City because it's high on the hill. Magnificent. But I didn't like what David Chase did to uh, my friend Tony Imperiali. Sort of created him to be a racist. In fact, he had that scene where he gets on an elephant and he dresses up like a gladiator, which he would do from time to time, just to show you that the Italians there were going to improve. They weren't going to move. They weren't going to leave the North Ward. He had the uh, Columbus projects there. They were all... Just problems, problems. Right down the block from St. Louis, Lucy's the parish. Antonio Imperiali was a fixture until he died in 1999. And I got to tell you, things continue to go downhill. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Mary, who's actually calling from Newark. Your turn to be heard here on WABC. Uh, Curtis, I just wanted to mention to you that ironbound is the same thing as down neck. Both are the terms used for that section of Newark. Well, you know, I went to uh, I went to a mass. You know where Saint Casimir's is? Yes, I yes, I've heard of it. I'm not. I haven't been inside it, but I have heard of it. Yes, right, it's Polish. 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 Yeah. So I, I went there for a mass. And they use so much incense, you know, when they're spreading incense in the church and they hadn't opened the doors and people were like passing out. They were asphyxiated from all the incense. That's mm-hmm. my experience in Downeck. But thank you for correcting me on that. That's right. The Ironbound, the Portuguese are connected to Downeck. That's where that Westinghouse uh, factory was right. where WABC started. There were so many factories there. Yeah. Uh, and they discovered so many toxins there. Now they're doing a big study on all those toxins from all those factories and everything that got dumped into the Passaic River. I call it the dirtiest river in the United States. Yeah, and I've, uh, I understand from time to time some bodies float down that Passaic River also. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> but now, uh, do you still live in Newark? No, actually, I moved to Jersey City. And Jersey City, just to add on to what you were talking about earlier with George Washington, I know you were making jokes about all the houses, but there is a house right behind the sea town on Academy Street off Bergen Avenue where George Washington met with Lafayette, and it's now preserved as a museum. So just to get that out there in case anybody's interested, because in Jersey City, you had the oldest European settlement. In other words, a real town was settled in Jersey, by the Dutch, uh, in the state of New Jersey. So that's the claim to fame for Jersey City. That that one I accept because you're correct. He did meet with General Lafayette, was on loan from the French. Uh, Then remember, General Steuben came over from the Germans. Uh, If not for him getting the uh, troops together in uh, Valley Forge, they would have never survived it. He brought all the tact. 
uh, techniques and tactics that the U.S. Colonial Army desperately needed. But a lot of people don't realize, Mary, that General Steuben was real gay. I mean, real gay. No, that I never heard. Yeah, well, no, no, definitely. And then now there's a big debate because they have uh, Kosciuszko, who convinced George Washington to set up West Point as a college for not only the military, for engineers, but Washington sided with Kosciuszko from Poland over Thomas Jefferson, who wanted West Point to be in Virginia. And remember, George Washington was from Virginia. And Pulaski, who fought so hard in the South that when he died, they have a statue to him in Savannah, Georgia. And now they're trying to say that when they unearthed the bones of uh, General Pulaski, that they couldn't tell if he was a man or a woman. Mary, can you believe this? Do, Do we need to know all this stuff? Like, they helped us win our freedom from the Brits. (laughs) Anyway, getting back to the Italians, the oldest Italian uh, Catholic, Roman Catholic parish in the state of New Jersey is in Jersey City, Holy Rosary, in downtown Jersey City. I don't know if you ever visited that. Well, I got to tell you, Mary, if I went there, they'd ask me to do the rosary. I haven't done it in a month of Sundays. I'm an A.M.P. Catholic, ashes on Wednesday, palms on Sunday, then you don't see me for a month of Sundays. Let's go to Joe, who's calling from Newark. Uh, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Curtis, uh, I wish you were the mayor in New York. But anyway, Westinghouse, that was Thomas Edison. That's on Orange Street and Plain Street. It's called University Avenue now, but it was Plain Street originally. It's right on Orange and Plain. Also, Tony Imperiali stopped Kaweeda Towers from being built in Newark, in the North Ward, he stopped it. Leroy Jones, you know, or Mary Baraka wanted to build it in the North Ward. If it wasn't for Tony Imperial, they even laid the foundation. I don't know how he did it. He stopped it from being built. Let me tell you something. I owe my life to Tony Imperiali. I'm going to tell you, Joe. Uh, he said to me, this is right after the police had killed the guardian angel Frank Melvin. Uh, over in Van Vecten, the Dayton housing projects, and they they were blaming me for not having properly trained Frank Melvin. He, he was shot and killed by the police. So Tony uh, sends an emissary, says, uh, please, Curtis, come up and meet with Tony at the Northwood Civic Association Club along Bloomfield Avenue. I went up, he said, let me tell you, Curtis, I know the good, the bad, the ugly here in Newark. There's a lot of guys want to whack you. Every time you go to the urinal... Make sure somebody's in there with you, turned around, checking anybody who comes in through the bathroom, because that's how they're going to shoot you right in your head. And they tried that, Joe. They tried that, and I would have a guy in there looking the other way, and then they would walk right out the door. You took his advice. But also, Tony Imperial started an ambulance, Northward Ambulance. Yes. He helped everybody of every race and everything, you know, he, he, he did a lot. He did, we needed a guy like that at that time. Well, in fact, he would give the test, the civil service test, the old test, uh, to uh, young uh, Hispanics who were Puerto Ricans, Italians, and others who lived in the North Ward. Weren't that many blacks at that time living in the North Ward. And they would go on to become civil servants, cops, firefighters, social workers. They would get... Good-paying jobs, both with the state, with the county, Essex County, and the city. 
So he didn't just run his mouth like a lot of folks. He actually did things to help people's lives in the North Ward in Newark and throughout the city of Newark. I heard somebody say this to me uh, that, you know, they wear you down. Imperial said they wear you down. And that's how come nothing gets done. They just wear you down. Well, they did. And remember, it was Tony Imperiali who uh, said that uh, before there was a term soprano, that New Jersey was like corrupt right down to the marrow of its bone. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, that's my tribute to Tony Imperiali. It's one of the reasons that Newark is now considered the least patriotic city in uh, America. But you can blame the mayor, Raz Baraka, who is a pan-Africanist and does not promote Americanism. It's that simple. Dirtiest city, which it is, rated by its own people, and least patriotic city. New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. So, ladies and gentlemen, who are you all more in danger of? Getting bit by the dozens of great white ones, big white ones, uh, sharks that are out there that are feasting on people's flesh. Or by the thugs who keep committing violent acts of crime in our five boroughs and in Newark and in surrounding areas. Let me give you an update. I have no idea where our mayor is, Eric Adams. He has not been to one patriotic ceremony over this 4th of July weekend. I'm hoping that he might show up at Travis on Staten Island tomorrow. I'm hoping all of you will be there by 11. People gather around, they do commemorations and speeches at 12, and then they march through the neighborhood. These are uh, men uh, and women, some of them who are Democrats, some of them who are Democrats, some of them who are Republicans who will march arm in arm. Andrew Giuliani will be joining me, fresh from his uh, gubernatorial campaign, where he finished second to Congressman Zeldin. He has pledged his support, as I have, as Rudy Giuliani has. To take out crime wave Kathy Holcomb, I call her Holcomb because she's full of nonsense. But you got to come to the Travis um, Fourth of July parade, longest running in the nation, because people put aside their political differences. They walk through the neighborhoods, the streets. They they get out their lawn chairs, their hibachi grills, and definitely their coolers. A lot of beer, and they'll give it to you as you're passing by, and you get a sense of what it used to be like in America. So. If you've lost your course, if you feel like all is for naught, that we're slipping into the abyss, as 39% of Americans have said, they're the only ones who feel patriotic. Imagine, 41%, excuse me, 61% of Americans do not feel patriotic at all. And I kind of understand, look at, look at these headlines from Queens Village. Just moments ago, three people were shot in Queens, including an off-duty correctional officer. When I'm out in Staten Island tomorrow, I will be confronting uh, Mike McMahon, the ambulance chaser, who is the district attorney. You know, uh, he's been uh, told by uh, Eric Adams that he should swear out an arrest warrant 
For Mike Kumbari, Chichi, and your friend, Rudy Giuliani, that you can hear Monday through Friday, here from 3 to 4, for filing a false police report. And I'm going to ask Mike McMahon, really, you think, you think that was a problem? You had a 14-year-old kid yesterday, just a few blocks from Park Hill, North Shore, shoot at two cops, try to execute two cops. 14-year-old kid. What are you going to do about that, tough guy Mike McMahon? You going to cut him loose? And then you know what? Andrew Giuliani is going to confront him and say, hey, how come you talk to Eric Adams, but you won't talk to my father? And I'm going to tell Mike McMahon, Mike, you better worry for your job security. Because if I convince Rudy Giuliani to move out to Staten Island and run for Staten Island DEA, you think you have a chance of being reelected? Huh? I'll straighten them out. But anyway, there won't be a danger of sharks in the Kill Van Cull, the Arthur Kill, the Straits of the Verrazano. But there is a danger of the great white ones all up and down the East Coast. And obviously it's serious. Look at today, South Shore, Staten Island. A lifeguard playing a victim in a training exercise became one in real life when he was bitten by a shark. Lifeguard Zach Gallo, age 33, and by the way, we don't have enough lifeguards. That's why if you go to your nearby beaches, Jersey Shore, South Shore, North Shore, Long Island, you go to Coney Island, Brighton Beach, Manhattan Beach, you go to South Beach, uh, along Father Capadonna Boulevard in Staten Island by Dolphin Plaza, you see the red flags. The red flags mean no lifeguard there. I would suggest you don't swim there could get swept out with an undertow, the current, and there are no lifeguards. There's so few lifeguards. Anyway, lifeguard Zach Gallo, 33, was pretending that he had been injured so that fellow lifeguards can come out and rescue him. They were going through their maneuvers. And just like that scene in the movie George in 74, a shark of unknown species, thought to be about four feet long, ripped into Gallo in the chest and his hand off Smith Point Beach in Suffolk County. It's not far from where my wife grew up in Bohemia. In fact, we're going to be celebrating her birthday on July 5th, the day after. I still don't know how old she is, nor do I know how old Frank Morano is. The hipster and millennials have decided to keep that a secret. But County Executive Steve Ballone said... We closed the beaches as a result of this shark attack. The lifeguard managed to stagger out of the water, alerting his fellow trainees who rendered aid. And now we'll see if they're going to open up the beaches tomorrow for July 4th along the South Shore. Robin Moses State Park, Jones Beach. They're going to have uh, officials monitoring the water, drones, they're sending out additional personnel on jet skis, paddle boards, and other watercraft. And Ballone of Suffolk County has said, we will not close the beaches July 4th. And then obviously you had Bruce Blakeman, Nassau County Executive, two days before, reported on someone swimming around, getting a chunk of his skin pulled off by a shark. They don't know if it's a bullhead shark. They don't know if it's a hammerhead shark. They don't know if it's a great white one, but they cleared the beaches 72 hours ago. There have been reports of the big ones, the white sharks from Point Pleasant, 
right on down to Wildwood in New Jersey along the Jersey Shore. And they're all heading up to Cape Cod and Martha's Vineyard. You think they want to feast on liberals? You think the liberals will be too intimidated, too frightened, and they will put their toes into the Atlantic Ocean, but they won't go in because the big white sharks are out there? And they're not discriminating. They got somebody in Florida, a young lady who fought off a white shark, punched it in the snout over and over, took two fingers, stuck it in the eyes, and still the shark persevered. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's thugs and thuggets in the streets of our tri-state area and the great white sharks in our oceans. Pick your poison. Come on out to Travis, though, tomorrow on Staten Island. Up next, the most requested of the many hours I do at WABC, our animal welfare program. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Wow, and this is the most requested, most called into, most uh, written about of the many hours that I host here at WABC, uh, where WABC at times, the acronym stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. Not the uh, 45 minutes that I do Monday through Fridays following uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly at lunchtime. He does 12 to 12.15, and then I do uh, 12.15 to 1. Not the overnights that I do Saturday mornings from 12 to 6, followed back-to-back, belly-to-belly by Sunday mornings, 12 to 6. Not the hour that I do Saturday afternoons with Anthony Weiner, who does in the middle for an hour, 2 to 3, and then follows it with me, uh, left versus right, or even the two hours that I finished just a few a few hours ago, uh, between 3 and 5, where I was giving you all the latest news updates. It is the Animal Welfare Hour. And once again, it's great to have on board my beautiful wife, Nancy, who will be celebrating her birthday on July 5th, uh, although I still don't know how old you are. Do I, Nancy? You haven't confirmed that yet. This is amazing. Neither Frank Morano nor you will ever tell anybody how old you are. Uh, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's not really important, and you, you don't seem too overly concerned with knowing, so I feel like we're, we're okay with leaving it at that. So it'll be a great party on uh, Tuesday that we will have for you, all 18 rescue cats and me <laughs> will be celebrating your birthday. Yeah, we have, like, little party hats for the cats, so we're good. Now, we'll need to do that because tomorrow, for a lot of cats and dogs and other animals, whether they're domesticated and living uh, with their families or their friends or they're out in the trees as birds, when those bombs start bursting in the air, not just uh, the July 4th extravaganza over the East River, 
but so many fireworks displays all up and down the Northeast corridor, small towns, villages, boroughs, they look forward to that. Can you explain for our listeners the devastating effect it has on cats and dogs and birds and other animals? Uh, I mean, obviously, they're they're all affected, uh, you know, differently to some extent, but their ability to uh, pick up on hearing things, it's just so much more uh, amplified than it is with us. And it's it causes a lot of problems for them, uh, you know, certainly in levels of stress, but also uh, you have people who maybe if you have dogs, you have cats, I mean, if you have any animal that could potentially run away, you know, that uh, sense they have innately to uh, flee or hide, there's a lot of people who will lose uh, their dogs during that time. So, you know, some of these suggestions, like making sure that uh, the uh, pets are contained so this way they don't possibly escape. Now, there's a number of things that, like, are suggested basically to lower the stress level for your pets. And uh, some of them are uh, medicinal type things that, you know, like sort of uh, anti-anxiety type options for pets. Now, obviously, given that this is tomorrow, uh, really, it it would just, uh, you know, unless you have those things already, it it would come down to really uh, keeping them calm and relaxed. So, for instance, if you're uh, if a plan was to bring, I mean, usually a dog, right? Someone would bring a dog somewhere where there is fireworks going on. That's probably not the best thing for the dog, you know, to bring them actually inside of that. Now, then maybe people would want to be. Uh, kind, oh, I'll leave them home, and this way they'll be okay. But, you know, then they're alone and they're frightened. So I think the best thing would be, uh, you know, basically treating them as family as they are and staying home with them and celebrating the holidays with them, you know, not exposing them to that. And as much as, a like, a calming environment you can create for them because they really get very traumatized by the the sound. So, I mean, you know, definitely don't want to bring them anywhere in close proximity. And if there's things that happen in your neighborhood regularly where you know they're going to hear it, probably staying home with them is the best uh, course of action. Now, I know it's in the past when I've been out with the Guardian Angels patrolling the fireworks events on July 4th, and I come back the wee hours in the morning. Some of our cats are hiding, and they don't come out almost for like more than a day. Yeah, that, that's definitely happened. Uh, you know, they you know they have clearly a very particular schedule, but at at those times when there is a lot of noise, you know, as opposed to just coming out for normal feeding schedules, some of them will hide for long periods of time. So again, it's it's hard to tell exactly what the level of trauma they're going through is, but the idea of stress. I mean, stress is never good for any living creature. So. You know, just be mindful of that. And if there's ways that you can help alleviate that, certainly that's advisable. And their hearing is 10 times uh, more acute than a human's hearing, right? I mean, it's incredible. I mean, and, and and think about how many people would be inclined to think it's a kind thing to bring their dog with them when they go out. Oh, I don't want to leave them home all day. I'm celebrating it's a holiday. I mean, you could be doing them a complete disservice. So, you know, maybe just, you know, hang out at home and... You know, watch the the fireworks on the television. Uh, they have uh, places now that are are really mindful of the uh, averse like effect that it has on living creatures. I mean, like you know, we didn't even touch upon the birds, but the birds. I mean, that's a whole another issue as well. But now they're doing 
uh, you know, the fireworks displays with drones, right? So this way people get the, the visual effect, but not that supersonic type sound that's so disruptive. So, I mean, that's a great example of, you know, something moving forward in a, in a great direction that's really beneficial. Our, our phone number, uh, 100-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC if you'd like to call in any question or any statement you might have on our Animal Welfare Hour featuring my wife, Nancy. But it's time for us to carve up Dr. Fauci, Nancy, once mm-hmm. again. This guy has got to go. If you remember... It was Dr. Fauci who outsourced the torture of those beagles to Tunisia. We funded those experiments in which they released those uh, flesh-eating uh, ants, and they put the beagles in a cone so they were stuck there. And remember, they were tortured to death. Yeah. Yeah. And we paid for that. And when yeah. we asked uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, the National Institute of Infectious Diseases, what was the purpose of that torture? We never got any answers. Have yeah. you have you yet been able to extract any answers as to why they torture beagles like that? Well, uh, in terms of why beagles are specifically utilized, um, they are absolutely uh, the the dog of choice, sadly, for a lot of these animal experiments because, and this is the the craziest, most sad part, is because of their disposition, their temperament. They're most forgiving. So the idea is that, you know, this animal is going to be, this dog is going to be least likely to, you know, react when you're doing these horrific uh, deeds to it. So, I mean, that makes it even again, more over-the-top disturbing that, you know, they're continuing to do these things. And, again, as you pointed out, right, there's no, you know, there's the outrage is for what's going on, but the problem is there's no need for there to be a specific threshold in terms of the testing. So, you know, at what point is it considered, you know, useless and a waste of money and are there any actual results you can show? I mean, it, there's little to no accountability for this type of testing, which I think most people would find reprehensible. So there should be something much more transparent and anything even in line with uh, where people can be directly involved. I mean, you think about things like referendums, you know, where people are where where the money is going. You know, you need to bring these things out of the shadows because that's why these things happen to the animals in this way. Our number is one 800 but he's at it again, Nancy, <laughs> through the National Institute of Infectious Diseases. He is paying a Florida lab a million dollars of our tax dollars to take monkeys, inject them with feminizing hormones to turn them into trans monkeys, and then to observe them. So... Male monkeys to female monkeys, female monkeys to male monkeys. This guy won't stop. I mean, and again, this is a complete ridiculous type of test as well. It's it's doing this to try to determine uh, why there's higher levels of HIV infection in uh, male to female transgender, as opposed to you know, maybe reaching out to the public uh, transgender community 
And if they want to participate in, you know, whatever types of studies they're doing, like, why would you create this when there's no necessary parallel to figure out that this would be helpful for humans when you actually have people who might be more than on board with, uh, you know, taking part in these things because it might be helpful to, you know, their health in the future. I mean, just total nonsense, total nonsense. Well, let's extrapolate. Next up, we'll have Drag Monkey Story Hour in your local library. Drag Queen Monkeys will be coming in and will be entertaining our children. I'm telling you, I I could see the extrapolation here. Number two, before... Vladimir Putin sent in his T-2 tanks into the Ukraine to declare war on Zelensky. Dr. Fauci again was using our tax dollars to pay the Russians to create zombie cats. They would take cats and do lobotomies on them and then have them walk on trans on treadmills, transforming them into the walking kitty zombies. Now, what the hell would be the purpose of that study, and why would Dr. Fauci be funding that? Okay, there's, I can't answer uh, either of those questions because, it, I mean, my there seems to be no purpose, and why it would be done, I think, is nothing more than the fact that there's uh, funds at their disposal to do whatever without any recourse. I mean, this is again, this is another example of something that, should really offend everyone's sensibilities, and especially when you're thinking about, you know, sometimes when it comes down to animal testing, it's a type of the animal. Like, these are cats, right? So, you know, in our society, I mean, these are pets. Like, you know, these are our family members. So to sever parts of their brain where they can't move and they're alive, but yet they can feel, like, it's so over-the-top disturbing that, it makes again. I, I'm not for animal testing uh, to to uh, to the most extreme degree, but I think if there was any way for them to show that there was a purpose, they'd have to be really over the top with proving that this was going to advance some incredibly important mission. And at this point, it seems nothing more than just playing around and just seeing what happens. This is totally unacceptable. These animals are suffering. This is so sad, ridiculous. And we're paying Putin to do this. This is incredible. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, there's a third experiment going on that Dr. (laughs) Fauci is funding with our tax dollars at the National Institute of Infectious Diseases. It has nothing to do with disease except if you believe that the gambling addiction is like a disease. (laughs) We have Frank Morano here who can't help himself. He goes to the Borgata, and he shoots craps, plays roulette, and he loves, he loves the slot machines. Well, Dr. Fauci has now decided to use pigeons. He has uh, subcontracted out Reed College in Portland, Oregon, not to study Antifa and Black Lives Matter in terms of why they always want to burn Portland, Oregon down every night, but using pigeons in a self-contained miniature casino and teaching them to use tokens to play slot machines. <laughs> oh, okay, so, yeah, obviously, right? Uh, another example of uh, wasted funds. Now, what's, what's funny about this is they're actually teaching them 
to um, in mimic behavior that would be equated to human behavior, but more or less they're just training them on the fly and then seeing what happens. This is another example. I think Frank would easily substitute himself for one of these pigeons being tested on, and he could be an actual human subject that really could produce much more vital information. Absolutely. In fact, once this study is over, because it doesn't bring any harm to the pigeons, unlike the uh, turning cats into zombies or transgender monkeys, why don't we try to get one of those pigeons from Reed College in Portland? We have a guardian angel group there. Uh, We can then get it over here and bring the pigeon to the Borgata one weekend when Frank is is playing the slot machines and see who does better. Uh, That sounds like a plan. And we can get people betting on it. <laughs> I'm betting yeah, on the great. I'm betting on the pigeon. I'm betting on the pigeon. You know yeah, me. I, you I you know too. the relationship I have with pigeons. They talk to me. I talk to them. They're very disciplined. Oh, they are. Anyway, our number is one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Now we're going to go to a phone call here. Got to go to a phone call here, Matt Meany, because it was a woman in distress who called me. It wasn't during the animal welfare segment, but it really struck a chord with me because it's on a block that I lived in when I was five years old in Ozone Park on 88th and Boyd. I want you to uh, listen to the phone call, Nancy. You know about the, st- the story about the uh, the dog that was um, do- dog napped in Ozone Park last oh. week? Right by 88th and Boyd. You know, I lived there for a year. Uh, when I was about five years old, I had this shadow, the silhouette of the A-train uh, in my room in the back, going towards Leffert's Boulevard and Rockaways. And, yeah, this uh, this uh, black guy on a motorcycle comes on the sidewalk. An older guy has a dog right outside of his house. The black kid uh, bends over, pets the dog. Next thing you know, takes the dog and rides away. Yeah, is it? Yeah, and we haven't heard any any updates, or you know, it, can the angels do anything? Like maybe somebody could, you know, t- tell you something, you know? Or, yeah, yeah, no, no. He, I know why this uh, young thug was doing that because it was a pit bull, young pit bull. It's worth a lot, obviously, uh, street cred. Probably going to raise it to be a fighting dog. Which is uh, outrageous, but you're right. No, no, no. You just smacked my my sensibilities into order. I know that area like the back of my hand. I spent a year of my life there, 88th and Boyd, right in the shadow of that A train, not far from Rockaway Avenue. Oh yeah, you, no, no. You're so right, Chris. I got to get vengeance on this guy. You know what I got to do, Chris? I got to find that motorcycle first. I got to flatten the tires. I'm not going to tell you how. So that when this jerk comes out of his apartment or his house and he gets on his motorcycle and he goes, what the hell happened here to my motorcycle? And then, pow, down he goes. Yeah, but we don't know who he is. That's the, you know, that's the thing. Chris, I'll find out. The homeboys in the hood will tell me because if they don't, I'll hit them so hard their mothers will feel the vibrations. Remember, this is old school, Chris. We're not, we're not talking crisis management here. Oh, young man, let me have a little discourse with you. Let me do a little intervention. Where is the pit bull that your friend stole?
Chris? Yeah, imagine what it's going through. You know, it's probably so scared, and the owner is probably heart sick. Oh, absolutely. You're so right. In fact, uh, my wife reminded me of that yesterday. I got so caught up in other things. I feel so guilty now. But, look, the only language these young thugs know is pain compliance. Now, Chris, I can't outline to you exactly what I'm going to do because then you would be complicit in how I'm going to break every bone in this thug's body. Oh, do. Say a prayer for him, okay, Chris? Do you go to, do you go to the Novena over there, St. Stanislaus? St. Elizabeth's. Oh, St. Elizabeth. They changed their name. Don't tell me they did that. No, no, no 84th in Atlantic. Right, but then a little further over is St. Stanislaus, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, uh, the bit that I say my, my mass is at uh, St. Elizabeth. Oh, okay. St. Elizabeth, that's fine. I want you to light the candles and the novena for this thug because I'm going to give him an attitudinal readjustment. Don't worry about it, Chris. He'll live. He'll survive. Yeah, maybe you could talk about it um, when Nancy's on on Sunday night. Yes, absolutely. This way she can really put the screws into me and make sure that I follow through on this. Oh, man, I feel so guilty. Yeah, and if anybody knows anything out there, please call Curtis. Yeah, let me know. Can you believe that, Nancy? It was on video, on television. This uh, black guy on a motorcycle comes on the sidewalk. This old guy is walking his baby pit bull, only three months old. The young man reaches over, pets him, so the old man is, you know, not alarmed at all. And then he scoops him up and he rides away. And they're doing this in the neighborhoods now. Yeah, this is uh, totally sad. Uh, you know, the middle of the day, someone walking their dog. Uh, the the gentleman, he's like 75 years old. And obviously that's very normal behavior. In, in New York City, you have a cute dog. People are going to stop and pet the dog. Oh, are they friendly? So, I mean, you wouldn't think anything's going on. And this man, he even uh, has gone so far as to dress the dog up and then, like, wear, like, little matching outfits with him. So he has a very close bond with this dog. Uh, so to, like, to the caller's point, this dog must be completely traumatized because – now it's just you know missing its home so and they have a they have a really good um you know picture of this individual so hopefully you know that there is going to be someone who recognizes this individual but this is another reason why uh for instance the city shelters and most places what they do is when you get uh when you have a pet they have this tendency to have a chip in the pet now this is a chip that is identifying in terms of if the pet gets lost and you know but the problem is unless someone has a reader right they you know they can actually scan the chip or it's read within a certain amount of time you you just don't know where the dog is you're hoping someone may have found the dog but again there's no way to locate with you i think this is another example of why you need to push for the technology that as opposed to these chip readers which require sort of that proactive ability to be in front of the chip reader, you have things like GPS chips inserted. So now on your cell phone, if your dog is lost or like in this instance stolen, you can instantaneously determine where this pet is. 
I mean, that's a complete game changer for every pet out there and really will secure their safety going forward and maybe make people think twice about doing something like this. Well, after the parade tomorrow, Travis, in Staten Island, I'll make it a priority. I think I know where this guy probably went, City Line Avenue, which separates East New York uh, from Queens. We'll track him down because the cops are doing nothing. The cops, they're, they're basically doing nothing about it. Now, speaking of pit bulls, speaking of abusers, speaking of the poster child who reveled in the torture of his pit bulls that he and his friends turned into fighting dogs. And if they uh, if they didn't win or they were injured, he would execute them with piano wire. They would hang them with piano wire, and he would be laughing. At one point, when his wife was away from their mansion in Virginia, he took his daughter's little fluffy yarn ball dog, and threw it in the ring with the pits, and they just tore it up, and he was laughing while his daughter was crying. He's one of the uh, most famous quarterbacks in the history of the NCAA, played for Virginia Tech, Michael Vick, then Atlanta, the Philadelphia Eagles. In fact, Nancy, when um, he had been uh, found uh, guilty of torturing dogs, his jersey, his Atlanta Falcons jersey, was the number one requested jersey of the many jersey by fans, knowing that he was a dog killer and a dog torturer. And now he's declaring bankruptcy. Is that correct? Yes, that, that's correct. Uh, he has, so uh, um, uh, to add to his uh, list of bad traits he has, he, he has taken out a lot of money. He owes a lot of creditors. Obviously, he's an animal abuser. He's an uh, excessive gambler. That's what he was doing. He was fighting these dogs for money. I mean, this guy's all sorts of trouble, and he has every uh, sort of uh, outward uh, personification of this guy is just headed for a total disaster. So, I mean, he, he, for whatever reason, he's been shielded as long as he had. Uh, you know, you need to keep an eye on him because this could be a guy going downhill, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's disturbing that he would have been uh, not ostracized much more given the abuse of animals that he's been involved with for so long. You know, but, I mean, this is a very clearly a very disturbed person. He has a lot of issues um, going on. So, you know, to whatever extent that, you know, I don't know if this is going to make any dent on his life or – but, you know, it's one of those examples of uh, couldn't happen to a better person type thing. Hopefully, you know, he just, <laughs> I don't know, something bad happens to him. Well, when we come back, we're going to go to the phones. Uh, there's a full board of calls, as they always are for the Animal Welfare Hour, the most requested, the most tuned into, the most callers of any of the many hours that I do at WABC. And then Dominic Carter will be coming on. He's the barrier between me and Frank Morano, who begins his trek now tonight. In the early morning hours, 1 to 5, a nationally syndicated host with stations across America. Meantime, I have Ugats, I have Bupkis.
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Wow. We're just, uh, what, 48 hours away from your birthday, right? I think it's um, 26, but yeah. In the meantime, we still don't know how old you are, like Frank Morano. Unbelievable. Anyway, let's let's go to the phones, uh, Nancy. It's Janice calling from Wayne, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Janice. Hello there, Nancy and Curtis. It's so great to talk to you again. I don't know if you remembered. I called you about a month ago, and I was the girl that had my four black cats that were born in the woods, and they waltzed over to my house 16 years ago. Yeah. And I spoke to you about that. And then also it's a pleasure to talk to you on the weekend of America's birthday. And I also want to wish you, Nancy, a very happy birthday on the 5th and with all your beautiful animals. And also I'm sharing a birthday with America. Today is my birthday. And oh, happy birthday. Thank <laughs> Thank you so much, and I'm getting ready to celebrate with all my beautiful kitty cats as well. Tomorrow I'll continue the celebration, but also I hope that you have a very blessed birthday with whatever you do, surrounded by your beautiful family of pets. And also, a couple of months ago, on my porch, I have a, a wreath that I have left up and the birds came and built a nest in it and it looked like they were about five inches tall these birds and they kept flying on the balcony and I watched them build the nest for quite for a good couple of weeks or so so finally then there was a bird that was about five inches tall that had a red, it was red, so I wasn't sure what type of birds they were. So after they they laid the eggs, there was about four eggs in the nest, and I saw them being born, and I took pictures of them, and it was really quite beautiful to, to have that on my porch. And as the birds were flying on the porch, my cats were watching them from the window, so they were very entertained. And it was just the most beautiful thing to have all this nature around me and have the cats be able to watch the birds. They were going crazy. So after the birds were born, then I they got big, and I took pictures, and I could see their cute little faces. And then they disappeared, like, about three weeks ago. So I'm wondering, will they come back and use the nest again, or should I take down, like, if I touch it, will they not touch, have any more uh, babies in there again? Or- what do you think, Nancy? 
Uh, well, I mean, it's, uh, certainly if it's uh, a potential place that, I mean, they've already been, it might make sense that they have this instinct to come back. So if you want to encourage them to come back, then I would say it's probably a good idea to leave it there. And then this way you can actually test as a theory yourself. I mean, I think that is, um, you know, within their nature that when they have a place that they've had, um, you know, uh, been living safely before, their memories and their ability to, you know, locate that same exact place is so on point. So I think they certainly would possibly utilize this again. Now, I mean, they might just stumble on a different area, but yeah, I mean, obviously if you touch it, they might be planning to come back there if they didn't find another location. So that could mess up their plans. So to be on the safe side, I would keep it. Let's go to Carol in New York City. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Carol. Okay, thanks. Hi, Nancy. I have a statement and a question. My statement is that I believe a lot of these cruel and unnecessary experiments are being done solely for the funding, for the money. I remember years ago the Museum of Natural History and others were doing experiments on cats' eyes. And it was for the funding. My question is, where does Fauci have the right to give taxpayers money for these experiments and even to foreign places? Nancy? Okay, so the, the, whatever budgetary discretion is available um, for him, I'm not sure what the, uh, you know, for the uh, National Institute of Health, I'm not sure what the protocol is, but I do know in terms of just the animal experimentation, uh, this is really the problem, the in- complete lack of any protection for the animals. So, again, to your point, everyone's doing um, this testing because they're getting the funding. Now, if the granting institutions, in this in this sense, it's like, okay, the taxpayer dollars, you can be encouraging uh, these companies and these places to move forward on the way that they're conducting any types of, um, you know, uh, forward-moving experiments they're doing, because not everything is, you know, relies on utilizing animals. I saw something I was reading yesterday where they're using complete um, synthetic types of individual, like people parts, so that you know medical students can be testing. Like there's, it's kind of an outmoded concept at this point that you would be needing to utilize live beings to do any types of forward-moving mo- research you're trying to do. And then again, you couple that with having populations of people who might want to take part in any type of things that, oh, we're going to be doing something to help the public. Oh, we have medicines. There's a lot of reasons why you don't need to do this, but without having the, the clamor down on it, it's going to continue indefinitely and with little to no benefit. That's really the problem, too. There's no reason. It's, it's horrific enough they're doing it. There's no benefit, and they're not being called out on it. I mean, this, I, mean this, I think this is stuff that needs to be brought to elected officials' attention, so then they can be vocal and say, okay, we don't stand by this. Let's go to Denise in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Denise. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Curtis. First of all, happy birthday, Nancy. Thank you. And I must say that you couldn't have a better guest list than having your 18 cats. <laughs> I agree. Also, I agree. 
and you and you included Curtis. Okay. You yeah, you did. Piece of cake also. Okay. <laughs> I um, um, I was wondering, getting back to Fauci and Nancy, question: There's got to be a government agency that he's affiliated with. That I mean, I get tons of mail on a daily basis. The torture and the cruelty that's going on, the experimentation on animals, is mind-boggling. Has to stop. I just went through a stack of mail today. I mean, what they're doing to dogs, cats. I mean, you name it, monkeys. I mean, it, it's just it, it's it's just too overwhelming now. It's it's, it's much, so over the top. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it's over the top. So there's got to be a governmental agency that you can get in touch with. Well, I will tell you this, uh, uh, Denise that all the outrageous testings of animals, many of them that are outsourced to foreign countries because they're not permitted to do that here in our country, this most recent one, right before Putin went to war with Zelensky in the Ukraine, we were paying the Russians to create zombie cats, to give lobotomies to cats. For what purpose? What ghoulish purpose? There seems to be no purpose whatsoever, and we're... We were spending a million dollars giving it to the Russians for that. But this one, Nancy, this one takes the cake. Taking monkeys, taking monkeys and feminizing them with hormones if they're males or testosterone if they're females to turn them into trans monkeys. Well, and and I think, again, right, to, to, for instance, when you were running for mayor, and you prioritized the animal rights issue. I think this is something that, you know, the, the, the things that you really should be expecting from any of the elected officials is they're the ones who can carry forward uh, this type of agenda in a very fast-moving way. So it's not something that has been pushed enough where uh, people running for office or people in office feel the need to prioritize this issue, but the more that you have candidates like yourself running who actually do prioritize it, now all of a sudden you get that voice of people who care about animals, and the more you start to realize how many people prioritize them, you know, I think that's the way you start making shifts and stuff. Like, you have to have these people start prioritizing it, and this is a way that you can start distinguishing individuals. Let's go to Bob in Liberty, New York. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC. Bobby. Hi, Curtis. Love your show. I want to tell you a story. I named my dog Joe Biden, and I yell at it all day. I scream at it, and that's what I wanted you to know because it wasn't behaving. So I figured a bad-behaved dog that can't do anything must have some resemblance to Joe Biden, and I named my dog Biden. And it acts like Biden. Biden is probably less smart than my dog. Just wanted to let you know that. And I think everyone that has bad dogs should name them Joe Biden. Isn't that a form of abuse, Nancy? Yeah, you know what? That's a tough thing because I, I, I definitely think every pet is able to overcome their quote-unquote bad behavior. But you won't even go down that road to figure out what can make, you know, maybe make them a little bit of a more pleasant pet. If you name them that, already it's going to be a trigger for you, and then they're going to feed off your energy because you're, you're saying that. So, yeah, I, I'd say that's a bad move. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert in Suffolk County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. 
Oh, good evening, Curtis and Nancy. Last week, you had talked about vaccination for rabies and raccoons. We happen to have a lot of raccoons here in the Pine Barrens, but I've never seen one in the daylight hours, which would indicate it's rabid. And uh, I'm questioning the need for other vaccines as well, like the, uh, they call it the five-in-one. With, uh, yeah, yeah, correct. Also, also, they can com- combine that with the feline leukemia, the distemper. Uh, I'm kind of questioning the need for those. I heard the story of a little dog that had gotten distemper uh, supposedly from so- their owner bringing it in on their shoes into the house. I mean, how likely is this? That? Yeah, I, I'm I'm completely uh, on the same page as you. I think it's unbelievable the amount of uh, vaccinations and uh, medications that they give the animals. Now, especially when you look at the ones that come directly from the shelter. I mean, when I've adopted the uh, animals from the shelter, you know, they they always give you the uh, rundown of everything that's been done. And usually within a, a day or two or three, they've administered, you know, maybe 40 to 60 different types of medicines. And it's totally mind-blowing because there's, I have no idea why they're doing it. And especially with, you know, you have, like, younger animals. You have, I mean, I think a lot of these things are either not necessary or duplicative or also, uh, you know, hurtful to the immune system in general. I mean, there's reasons why when you have pets in the, in the shelter, okay, they're going to be stressed out. So they, they're already at a lower immunity state. So you shouldn't necessarily be administering these types of medications to them. And then in terms of, yeah, like exactly like with the rabies, that's a perfect example. The instances of cats or dogs uh, contracting that or spreading that to people is almost non-existent. So it really does beg the question, why are we continuing to do it? And uh, I think it's it falls in the category of, money in general. I mean, there's already contracts that exist, and these are with the different uh, pharmaceutical, you know, pet pharmaceutical companies, and they're going to continue to say it's necessary until there's a little bit of a pushback to say, well, why are we doing it if it's virtually non-existent in terms of something we need to be prioritizing? I mean, there has to be a pushback against it because it makes no sense, and it could be really harming them in the long run. Is that why you always tell me I have to take my shoes off before I come in the apartment because I might have be carrying distemper on the bottoms of my shoes? Oh, you're, I mean, I, I, I'd say it's for sure you're carrying distemper on the bottom of your shoes. Well, just remember, <laughs> you go. I am someone who as a youngster in the back of the Canarsie Cemetery, at that time the only secular cemetery in uh, New York, owned by the city of New York, I would hang upside down in the big elm trees where bats were hanging upside down. I wanted to figure out why a bat would hang upside down and sleep during the day. And then a bat bit me. The next thing I know, I'm in Brookdale Hospital. They're giving me these, like, 12 horse shots right in my stomach. They said for rabies. Does that make any sense? That sounds uh, like a very aggressive protocol for possible exposure although i mean you turned out okay so maybe in your situation it was the right course of action no they disturbed me i was hanging upside down i wanted to continue to hang upside down and they took me immediately into the er 
But we'll save that for another day. Let's go to the phones. Uh, our number is 1-800-848-9222 to Jacqueline uh, calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Jacqueline. Hi, Curtis and Nancy. I would also like to wish you a very happy birthday and all good Thank things you. in the new year that you're going to be beginning Thank now. Thank you. Um and I'd also like to just thank you both for the work that you do with the animals. Unlike that Cretan football player, former football player, <laughs> I believe this is a special place in heaven for both of you for the good things that you do for the animals. Um, anyway, one thing that I wanted to add to what you were talking about with regard to the uh, testing on the beagles. I saw a program, it was on Newsmax, and there was an interview with a senior officer for PETA. Uh, the FDA doesn't even use any of that information resulting from those practices. So that adds insult to injury on top of everything else, on top of them hurting these animals, uh, using the taxpayer funds to do so. In my opinion, the NIH should be dismantled, and Fauci needs to be charged to the fullest extent of the law for animal cruelty, and he needs to go to jail forever. Not just for the work that he's done on the animals, but for everything else that he's done for the past several years with regard to uh, COVID. Um, and one one other thing that I, I'd like to add, I have uh, my silky terrier crossed over uh, the Rainbow Bridge, but I was one of those pet parents that was very averse to vaccinations and over-vaccinations. And what I used to do with my vet, I would have titer tests done for him to determine whether or not he needed any uh, vaccinations updated. And if not, he went for extended periods of time. The only thing I would get him were the ones that were, were required, uh, the rabies vaccine and the other vaccines that were required for him to uh, go to the groomer to be groomed. So that's, that's something else, you know, for your audience. Well, do appreciate that. Let's go, if we can, uh, Nancy, to Christy, who's calling from Westchester. Yes, hi, Curtis and Nancy, and happy birthday. Oh, and thank Nancy, you. I'll quickly tell you, um, my son was born on the 5th. I, I went into labor, labor on the 4th at 8 p.m., and I thought by 10 p.m. that's all that I could take. <laughs> but he came at 2 o'clock the next afternoon, and that was 1960. Anyway, and then as far as my cat goes, Mr. Baby Bear, who went cross-country with me, and he lived to be 21 years old. And I had a Volkswagen camper and my son, and he was a young teenager, and he had made money, and so he bought a moped. We put it on the back of the camper, and off we went to California from New York. And Mr. Baby Bear, uh, we also called him Koalas McCollis, my son to math. <laughs> and um, so anyway, he would get out of the camper, you know, whenever. I never had a litter box. Never, ever, ever. And I would open the door, and he would run into the woods. And <laughs> I never thought anything of it because he was always like a do dog whenever I called him. And he'd come running back, and he'd go under the seat. And he wouldn't come out until the next time we stopped again, you know, to go to the bathroom, whatever. But he lived to be 21 years old. He was, he's been all over the United States. <clears throat> From 
free to run, and he's fine. He was fine. He lived to be 21. I think we lost Christy there, uh, Nancy. And so this cat was 21 years old and only had one vaccination and was, like, mixing and matching it up all over the country. Yeah, and, and definitely the personality is different than, um, you know, a lot of cats as well, just to be that comfortable with uh, travel. But, look, it goes to show you the level of uh, the impact of all of the fireworks. Look, uh, you know, she had uh, uh, delivered on the 5th, you know, probably the fireworks, my mother, the same with me. I think that there is a trigger there for all living beings. Fireworks sort of uh, set something off on you. Let's go to Lorraine, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Lorraine. Hi. I just wanted to wish Nancy a very happy birthday. The Curtis, I'm really in need of help. I'm a rescuer for 27 years. And I went out tonight, and I saw my little baby kitten. She was shot dead. We've had a violence of, of animals here. One of my kittens had a foot throat. Another cat, a full-grown male cat, they cut off his entire tail. These people are barbaric. They're huge. They're, they're disgusting. They're just exactly what you say, thugs and thuggets. And I, and I don't know where to go with this. I tried to reach out to the police department to help. I tried to reach out to the senator's office to help. And I'm reaching out to you guys because my cats are dying all over the place. I can't speak pretty, pretty soon. I have them here, and I'm working on them. Well, Lorraine, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, uh, let's get her information, if you can. Uh, just put her on hold. It seems like Nancy, was she was really traumatized there. Yeah, no, and, and, you know, when you see uh, these really, I mean, that's the tough thing about trying to help all of these animals in need. There are times that you're going to come across really horrific situations, and I always think to myself, at least you were there with the animal, right? I mean, there's some, there has to be some comfort in the fact that, you know, you can, you know, be there with an animal even when it's going through these bad situations, so... At least that there was that right there. But, yeah, definitely just, uh, I, I, yeah, I'd like to know what that situation was. Let's go uh, right to Levi, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Levi. Yeah, hi. Um, what's your opinion regarding, like, uh, picking a pet, uh, like, from the street? Like, kind of, uh, like, instead of going to the shelter, just adopting it, like, from, because uh, uh, a few blocks from me, there's, like, this, you know, behind the apartment, about, like, 10 cats or so, and somebody feeds them, like, in the evening. And, um, like, just what's your opinion of, like, picking one up and kind of, like, adopting it? Is that a good idea, or are they going to, like, feel lonely, like, taking them away from their other companions or something? Well, I, I, de- I definitely am on board with uh, adopting the ones who are outdoors. And, obviously, when the younger they are, the more uh, possibility there is to uh, socialize them. Uh, now, if you bring them in from the outside – you know, the first thing you want, I mean, if you have other pets in the house, obviously you have to keep them separated until you bring, uh, you know, the the cat to the, the vet and, you know, have it checked out or have the shots or whatever is needed. But um, I'm on board with doing that. I don't think they necessarily will be missing their friends. And, again, this has to do with just, like, you know, how, how old they are. If you're able to pick them up, 
then, you know, chances are they're being socialized enough with the, the people who are feeding them or they're young enough. So I'm always on board with that. And then obviously, who's ever doing that additional, like, work of taking care of them? I mean, obviously, hopefully that's the end goal. They're going to fix these cats and adopt them out. But I'm completely on board with, uh, you know, bringing cats from the outdoors inside. And I think it's just a way better you know, uh, path of action for them. But two is always better than one. So, you know, it actually makes your life a lot easier when you have two of them because they're entertaining. They can entertain each other. You can have fun watching them. And, you know, you know this way you know for sure they're not going to be lonely. Let's go to Lee in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition at WABC, Lee. I'll tell you, Curtis, I absolutely love you. You're one of the best on that station. Okay, now I want to uh, address something the caller from the Pine Barrens said. I actually grew up in Sussex County, up north in New Jersey, and um, I've caught cats, uh, fed them, and of course when you feed cats outside and the raccoons come, he said that if a raccoon comes out during the day, that it means that, that they're rabid. Absolutely wrong, absolutely wrong. A raccoon that comes out during the day does not mean that it's rabid. It could be a mother raccoon uh, foraging for food for its little babies. It needs to make milk for its babies. If a raccoon's out during the day, it does not mean it's rabid. Now, question, Lee, uh, when you were uh, taking care of the cats and the raccoons uh, were present, did the cats get along with the raccoons like we've seen in other places? Well, yes, Um you know, what would happen is they'd take turns. You know, the cats would get, would have some food, and then the raccoons would come later. They're a little bit more aggressive, and the cats would defer to the raccoons. But um, they did live in harmony. Do appreciate that, Lee. Let's go to Sammy in the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sammy. Hey, Curtis, forgive me. I'm a little drunk right now. I've been drinking all night, but you know what? There's a special place in heaven for you and Nancy because you love the animals so much and they're so much a part of your life. I want to ask you a question, Curtis. If I hit the lottery, right, will you quit radio and uh, take care of my animal sanctuary? It depends. Uh, let me think about that. That's uh... I, I, I will. I will. <laughs> That's... Tell John, tell John Casmatiz I'll give him. I'll give you $100,000 more than you're making now. Wow. Well, hold on to the line there. Let's get our uh, phone producer, talk talent person. Get that number number of Sammy there. Who knows? You know, he's got more luck than Frank Morano's coming up from one to five. He becomes his trek now as a nationally syndicated talk show host. So he'll be able to talk about UFOs, extraterrestrials, so many other things to a national audience now. Now, interesting. Uh, our 50,000-pound-full watts of sound, which can be heard at this time. It's dusk in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker between Bermuda and the Bahamas. Uh, he will now have, in addition to WABC, the Mothership Connection, he will have other stations. And guess where they're all starting? In Nevada, where Art Bell, the Looney Kazuni from Parts of uh, Unknown used to be based there in Little Pahrump in a double wide-body trailer in which he ended up having close to a 1,000 stations at night. A 1,000 stations. 
Incredible. But anyway, uh, Nancy, uh, as we are prepared to uh, pass over the 50,000 pound for wants of sound to Dominic Carter, because they do not permit me to have conversation uh, with Frank where I interrogate him. Uh, this is He's the barrier, Dominic Carter. He's the buffer. Uh, what do you want to do for your birthday? Your birthday is uh, Tuesday. I know the cats, uh, all 18, will be celebrating. What, what do you have specially in mind for Tuesday? Uh, as long as I have some time with you, that's all I need. Wow. Boy, that's, that's going to go light on my wallet, that's for sure. As long as I can <laughs> spend time with the best thing that ever happened to me in my 68 years of living is being able to meet Nancy and share with her her love for animals and be able to reach out and help them like I've been helping uh, people as leader of the Guardian Angels both here and around the world. If you want any further information about what Nancy is doing with the Guardian Angel Animal Protection Division, just go to guardianangels.org. That's guardianangels.org. And if people want to contact you directly, Nancy, how can they do that? Uh, Nancy at guardianangels.org. So nancy at guardianangels.org. We'll follow up on some of the requests that were made earlier. But uh, it's going to be great. America's birthday, followed by Nancy's birthday. It doesn't get any better than that to be able to talk to all of you. Hey.